0: life's busy take this deck there's heaps to do on it like um
1: polishing off this wine that's tough life's pretty good with a trex deck composite decking with no hard maintenance trex the world's number one decking brand
0: thanks for subscribing and listening to the afternoons with Steffie podcast today is tuesday 11th of october Ah, geez, it was good today. I really enjoyed today. Something a bit different. The first hour, midday madness, was about this All Black fifteen, particularly around Tom Christie, Peter Gasua, caller, and Sean Stevenson. Why didn't they make it? And what's the what's the goal of this All Black fifteen? Had some really good calls and texts on that in the first hour. Then we hit the second hour. We talked to Stephen Upfold. He's the GM of Volleyball New Zealand, and the New Zealand Club Championships are on in Tauranga over the next few days. Um, they haven't been able to hold them because of the pandemic but they're back and they're hungry we talked to Ahmed Kawaja about the Indoor Cricket World Cup which is going on at the moment over in Australia New Zealand well represented over there, caught up with him about all of that and then a very special hour where we talked to Jason Winyard, world champion timber sports athlete and he's about to head off to Gothenburg for one another event that's been uh, stalled for a couple of years but to have This multiple world champion in studio with us. Took calls, answered texts. It was great to have him alongside us. The MPC Masterclass recipient, thanks to Property Brokers, uh, we caught up with Jackson Pugh, the number 8 Australian out of the Western Force into the uh, Auckland MPC side, having a great season. And it was a, a nice chat with him as well. Went across and chatted to Julian King, our mate, over there at SEN in Australia. He was filling in for Jimmy Smith today. We talked about the Excalibur bats, actually, another other sporting memorabilia. Uh, all the other bits and bobs that we normally do, we, we found out what's making news around the world. We played The Vault. Zaid was our first contestant for a brand new sporting moment in The Vault. You can have a listen to that, and we look back in the day as we always do at the end of the show. This is the Afternoons with Staffy podcast. Before I preview the show, tell you what's coming up, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge one of our listeners. I heard him call the run home yesterday and unfortunately the phone dropped out. Gordon of Waipukarau, you're a great man. And I was very sad to hear in their show yesterday, I could hear the grief in your voice, the passing of your wife last week. Um, You're a very loyal listener, I I know you listen to all the shows all day. Uh, Gordon, our thoughts and I'm sure all the listeners' thoughts are with you. Uh, my friend I remember the first time you rung me you were a bit nervous to ring and I'd uh, I'd mentioned um, when you came on air I saw it was Gordon from Waipukaroa and I said oh they have great pies and milkshakes on the main street and and I said do you have them and you you just said you don't have them anymore and you put me in my place and I know your eyesight was failing because you told us and you'd been married forever to an amazing woman and so I'm very sad for you Gordon and, and uh, I know all of our um love and affection goes out to you with the passing of your wife um she's in a good place now and uh, she'll be missing you too my friend but just know that we all here extend our arms around you and um we wish you all the very best through this very very hard time and uh just know that we we know what you're going through buddy and um all the strength to you and uh just passing on our very, our very best wishes to you, Gordon, down there in a great part of the country in Waipukorau. you get through it, my friend, and stick with us. And um, it's good to know that we are doing our best to keep you and others in your situation company. So, uh, as I say, heartfelt condolences, Gordon, down there in Waipukorau. Right. What's coming up on the show? Um, Midday Madness. I sort of wanted to let the All Black 15 naming go because we sort of did our predictions yesterday, and I, sort of, I think I, I went through about 33 names, um, got a few right, but the ones I can't can't. Be, and I, I actually listened back to the Afternoons with Staffy podcast and the segment I did on it just to, just to see what I said, and I said, Sean Stevenson, he's a lock-in, and remember when there was that talk that he's in talks with Redcliffe Dolphins, I said, if New Zealand rugby hear about that, um, he's definitely going to be picked in the New Zealand 15, and he's not. And I don't get why not. Can someone explain to me? I've, I've watched a lot of the North Harbour games because they are so entertaining. And I don't think it's a, 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 it's not a big match temperament thing. Look, what he kicked that 58-metre goal in a crucial time for North Harbour. He's a game-breaker. He's a game-changer. He's, he's been in the system for a long time. I don't get why not which made me ask, what's the idea of this New Zealand 15? Is it to have a look at young guys and see if they can step up under pressure? Is it to provide a 26-man reserve contingent for injuries in the Northern Hemisphere? What's the purpose of it? Um, someone texted in yesterday saying, what happened to the Canada game? They were going to be playing Canada. And uh, I went back and I found a I found a story on one of the websites with New Zealand rugby confirming, it was in June, confirming that Canada was on, on track. That's obviously been cancelled. So this massive contingent of a travelling reserve squad are going all the way to the Northern Hemisphere um, to play two games, Island A and the Barbarians, which is a little bit hit and giggle. It's a massive expense to send that many. And I heard Leon McDonald on with the run home saying it's going to be a hard trip because they're not travelling business class. I'll leave that there. Uh, So what is the purpose of this All Black 15? I'd much prefer it was called New Zealand A or New Zealand B, but I think the commercial realities are when um, the new sponsor came on board that all of the teams in black became All Black, so that's why it wasn't the New Zealand Sevens anymore. They became the All Black Sevens. And instead of New Zealand Māori, they became the Māori All Blacks, um, which was a commercial type thing. Is that why they're the All Blacks 15? But Tom Christie is my biggest head-scratcher. And on my drive in, on my congested drive on the motorway to Auckland, I was thinking, if I'm Tom Christie, and I'm 24 years old, and I'm thinking, I'm playing as well as I can, and he is, He's playing as well as he can. He leads a lot of statistical sections for a flanker. I'm playing as well as I can and I'm not in the top 12 loose forwards in the country. What do I do? I understand he's signed through till the end of next year, uh, end of 2023. I I saw a press release and I actually saw a Facebook post. I think it was on the Crusaders website when they announced the... um, his signing and all the comments are underneath and this is 2020 two years ago just saying in all black and waiting you're you're just about there and he's never cracked it so if you're a 24 year old playing at the peak of your powers and it's not good enough to make the top 12 loose forwards what do you do do you go to scotland do you do you do a bundyaki do you do a james lowe Do you do do a John Hardy and go and serve your three years getting paid reasonable wedge to play in premiership rugby up in the Northern Hemisphere and he'll be an international for Scotland or Ireland or whatever. Um, I won't be surprised to hear in the next wee while he's gone um, because you've got to get those sorted before the World Cup because a lot of the older guys will all come off contract and they'll all head offshore, every team, not just New Zealand, every team. And I'm wondering if he's regretting signing through to 2023 and being on the open market in 23 when everyone else is. I don't know how easy it is to break contracts either, but Tom Christie is the real head-scratcher for me. Sean Stevenson, still a head-scratcher, and Peter Gusso, will call it. They're the three that stand out like beacons to me. Really interested in your calls on this. Um, later on the show, we're going to be talking some uh, volleyball. We're going to talk some indoor cricket. And between two and three, Jason Wynyard, the world champion wood chopper, he will be in studio with me for an hour. And I really encourage you to have a think about this guy because I really want some engagement from you with phone calls and questions and, and a chat to Jason as well. 0800 150 811. This All Blacks 15, All Blacks thing, help me out. Give us a call. Midday Madness.
2: Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat.
0: Of madness. If you can't get to the phone, you can ring it. Uh, you can text us on the temper bed post text machine double eight double three, and I'll get to those uh, if the calls dry up or after one as well. Really interested in your thoughts. Uh, we go to Mikey in Christchurch. G'day, Mikey.
3: Oh, g'day, Staffy. Hey, lovely words at the start of the show, mate. Very, very good. I think everyone agrees with you on uh, on that guy. So, mm. yep. Hey, um, I rang yesterday and asked you the question. I don't really understand what the point of what they're trying to do with this 15. Mm. And uh, I'm none the wiser. <laughs> so no. I'm sitting here going, okay. And I know there will probably be a few uh, Canterbury haters, like eight, eight forwards from the Canterbury guys going on. But Tom Christie, not one of them.
4: I oh, know. Yeah.
3: That, that's kind of like, okay, who's he pissed off? Um, or has he decided that he's doing something? I mean, that is that is very strange. I mean, as a Canterbury supporter, he's the, one of the first names i put down on that sheet. He's got to play for us, you know. So with these semis and finals coming up, he is vital to us mm. um, to get over the line. Um, so that... I mean, and tell they, what, tell I tell you what. Tell you what it
0: does. I tell you what it does. I tell you what it does, Mikey. We've had a text in here, and it says Tom Christie. With Tom Christie, there's apparently some off-field issues that will keep him out of the national side. Now that's conjecture, that's speculation, but that's what happens when it's not explained. I'd love them to say this is the team we named. Um, there's some fairly high-profile names, Sean Stephen. This is the reason. Tom Christie. This is the reason. Uh, just that transparency. Things missing again. So, well, let me
3: throw this at you because. Um, we well, we like to think Canterbury like to think they've got a fairly decent culture. Now if mm. there were some off-field issues for real. Do you think he'd be playing in the Canterbury team? No, no, no. Exactly right. So, um, and Peter Gus, um, it's just cruel now, isn't it? Yeah, that's cruel.
0: it's cruel. That's, that, that's a very good off, word for it, Mikey. Uh, that's a very good word. It is cruel.
3: It's really cruel, and and I feel for that guy. And I don't know if there's any pathway back for him. I mean, okay, so. I would assume, If it was me, I would assume that this 15 was kind of the future. Let's look towards the future when a lot of these guys come off contract. Now, not having Peter Gus and Tom Christie there, go, I go, OK, because you would think, well, OK, you might not make the World Cup, but, hey, you're in our thinking for when these guys go and we're rebuilding our all-black squad again. But at the moment, you'd have to say that, and I don't know if those guys would have been spoken to, but if they haven't, they'd be sitting there going, what have we done? Uh, as well as the rest of the country, well, people who are interested in rugby anyway. So, yeah, I don't
0: know. Mm. No. Yeah, it's such a mixed bag because Peter Gus is 27, Tom Christie's 24, uh, Bryce Heem's 33, Uh, TJ and Brad Weber are both over 30, and then we've got uh, like a 21-year-old. I I can't get my head around what it is, and I'm happy to be told what it is, and, and I'll be comfortable with it, but we're just left guessing.
3: Yeah, oh, have a good show, Staffy. Thanks for that,
0: mate. Cheers, buddy. There's Mikey out of Christchurch. Um, yeah, it's it's just so puzzling. It, it, it is so puzzling. Uh, Ryan's just texted and Gordon, if you're listening, just saying, Staffy, I remember that call of Gordon's, uh, the very first call of his to your show. I absolutely remember it. I just want to reiterate what you said, mate. Thoughts are with you. Gordon, hang in there, mate. We're all with you. There you go. Gordon, we are all with you. A um, lot of text messages, uh, have come in. Um, people have added names to the to the uh, discussion quandary. George Bridge. I mean, is he even starting for Canterbury? I, I seem to remember a couple of games he's come off the bench as well. So get your calls in and try and try and help me understand or give give me your theories about particularly Christy Stevenson and Soa cooler because. Um, I'm open for discussion, and that's, that's why we keep the phone lines open for you. It's 0800 150 811. Share what you think is behind this. When you, when you have a look at that All Black 15, which wasn't picked by Leon McDonald, by the way, and uh, Clayton McMillan and Scott Hanson, I think, is the other coach, it was picked by the All Black selectors. So when you look at that All Black 15 that's been named to go and play those two games, what are they thinking? What, what what are they and that's not a critical statement I, I just want to understand why certain players have made it and others you know Kurt Eklund's not there Manaki Selby Rickett's not there, um, there, there there's, um, there's a swag of them that aren't there so when you you educated listeners out there when you look at that 15 what's their plan what's their modus operandi why does a 33 year old make it and not a 27 year old make it and not a 24-year-old, who are amongst their best in their positions in the NPC, which is all anyone's playing at the moment, apart from the All Blacks, but we're not talking about that. This is their selection thoughts, their selection um, ethos. That what's their parameters, do you think, when you look at that team? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is our number. Love to hear from you. Oh eight hundred 150 um, I'll read some of the text messages that are come in. Um, I've read that one Uh, I'm not reading that one (laughs) I know someone within the NZIU mix and they tell me Christy has an attitude issue and um, I've heard more than once about team protocols for some players as well Uh, Staffy on Tom Christy he just lacks the size for International 7 these days, that's my information he's 10 kilos bigger than Ardi Savia and he's a little bit taller as well. I don't, I'm not saying he's as good as Artie Savia, but um, size? Potentially. Potentially. Um, I think with Peter Gasua cooler, it is what we've done before with Pacific Island players. Give them one or two games and then they can't play for Fiji or other islands for years. Brian, that's been bandied about a bit. I, don't, I actually don't believe the coaches in New Zealand rugby pick them so they can't play for... The Pacific Islands and you know Fiji, Tonga, some or I don't believe they do that as a as a stopper. I really don't. Um, I think Peter feta will get some more game time. I think he will have a somewhat meaningful All Black career because he does have youth on his side and he's got obvious class. Um, so I don't think Peter Fitter's in in that camp. But anyway, phone calls are what we're all about. Up to one oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. We'll talk to Zade. G'day, Zade. Hello. Hello.
5: Um, just before I get on to what I was going to talk about, um, I had a quick question. There's a, good, um, there's a pretty good UFC card on um, next week. Is there any chance to maybe come in and um, preview it? It's uh, UFC 280 in uh, Dubai, maybe like Friday or Thursday next week. It's like um, Sean is, um, P- is that the one all P- the Kiwis and- are on?
0: Is that the Dan Hooker and um, Brad, Brad Riddell? Is it that card?
5: No, no, no. So that's, that's the next one. But there's one in Dubai, which is like um, Peter Yarn and um, Sean O'Malley, um, Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw and um, Charles Oliveira and Islan Makachev.
0: I so, reckon I want you to come in when we have that, that card with Izzy and Brad Riddell and all of those guys. I reckon we want to save you for that one, Zaid. Okay. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah, okay, sounds good then. Yeah. Yeah, and that, um, that's in November, that's, that's isn't it?
5: That's in, that's, in, that's November the thirteenth.
0: That's the one. Is he against Alex Pereira? Is it? And I think Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler's on that card as well.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. All right, mate. Um, but I want to talk about this All Blacks Fifteens team because that's what I called up to talk about. Mm. The shock, um, um, shock player for me was Bryce Heem. I
0: did yes. not see
5: that coming. I
0: yeah, mean, he's a good he's, he's for, a good player, but he's not a player for the future. I, I, I and I just want some. Why do you think they picked him?
5: I don't know. He's been he's been all right for the Blues, but, yeah, I don't know why. But it doesn't seem like there's that much depth in the centres, does it? Because no. even if you look at the other guys they picked, Nankavul, he's pretty young, or he hasn't played too much. um, Mua, um he's starting to get all right for Moana Pacific. And then who was the other guy? Um, Sullivan, he's not too bad either, Baylon Sullivan. but. Mm. It doesn't seem like there's that much good centres out there.
0: Yeah, I think with the Bricene one, and again we're left guessing as to why. But I feel like if there are a couple of injuries in the midfield, they just want an experienced, safe pair of hands. Um, he's not electric, Bricene, but he, he's reasonably safe. He he's he's got a he's quite big, isn't he, for a midfielder? He's quite strong.
5: Yeah, and I hope RTS and Perifita get used against Japan because otherwise it's a waste. They should have probably gone on that tour. Because it would have been good for one of them to get um, two games of experience. Because you imagine Perfetta having two games um, in a row playing for this New Zealand 15s team. If he doesn't get a go against either Japan or Scotland, I think they need to just give up with him and not use it, even if I, I do like him as a player. But what's the point if you're not going to use him, having him in the team, just making him train every day and he's not going to play? What's the point of doing that, you know?
0: Yeah, it's an he's absolute. Just
5: saying, you've given him 50 seconds and then you're just wasting him now where he can. If he could have gone and played two games of 80 minutes, but then the same thing. I don't know if Mackenzie's up to stretch to um, scratch either yet, um, because he just came back from Japan, so that's a bit of a hard one there. Yeah? Mm. And obviously, you need to keep Roger in the team because now Quincy Pye and Jack Goodhue are both injured. So, and Antoinette Brown is just coming back, so it's a bit bit hard with those two still.
0: Yeah, looking at the Perifeta one I'm sort of thinking post-World Cup uh, Richie Morgan is off to Japan I don't know what Bowden Barrett's doing Whether he'll stick around So I get, it makes I, I, sense I think
5: he's, he's going to leave as well, yeah Yeah, it he's makes sense to keep that he's leave makes sense so to keep Perifeta to in, the in the mix, game,
0: yeah. doesn't it? Because he's he's yeah. in and around the All Black Camp Because he's probably the next natural number 10 Him and d he can play
5: 15 and 10 as well
0: Yes, he can He's very good, isn't he? Yeah,
5: yeah, he's pretty good mm. So I think he get some minutes
0: Yep. Oh, I That'd need some minutes out yeah. of him. Absolutely. Good on you, Zaid. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. Um 0800 150811. Um can you rationalize some of these selections and even more importantly the non selections? Cuz for me Tom Christie and Sean Stevenson are at the top of their game. So what's missing? What's what what's, what's the piece of pie in my trivial pursuit counter that just doesn't fit. Why, why can't it fit? Jeff Cromwell. G'day. Hello there Jeff. Oh he's put his phone in his pocket. He didn't realise he's going to get through this quick. we put him back on hold have we? we put him back on hold. We'll see if uh, we can get John on before the news. We'll try and get John on. <laughs> the number is oh eight hundred one five zero eleven. When you call and you put it on her, don't put the phone in your pocket. That that's just that's just a little tip. Um yeah, pick up Jeff. Come on, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff the ref from Cromwell. Um we're gonna see if John's gonna be there. John's there. G'day, buddy. G'day, Steph,
6: how are you, pal? Good man. That's the story, mate. Listen, yeah, I'm uh, sort of uh, bewildered like everybody else. Stevenson, Karifi and Christie, like three, probably the three top guys um, in the competition at the moment, especially in their positions. And it's bewildering, really. But I actually heard them saying um, earlier this morning that uh, it was uh, the current All Black selectors, Bozzi and so forth, picking this team as well um, in um, preparation for the future. Well, how many of those guys are actually going to be here after the World Cup next year as well? Like, You can't imagine Foster's going to be there. So how are they picking a team for the future um, when they're not even probably going to be there? Jason Ryan will no doubt be there, but uh, will the rest of them be there? That's the question I have. And how do they justify leaving these guys out? You know, And, and the experience that they've got as well is mind-blowing.
0: Yeah, it's like, I, I just don't get what the intention is. If it, if it's to get that next generation in, um, TJ Perinara, Brad Weber uh, I I guess you could have one of them. I didn't think they'd take both because one gives you the leadership. They're both great leaders and um, very experienced. Um, but, yeah, Bryce Heem selected and Sean Stevenson not when he's about 10 years in age. I, I, I just can't make sense of it.
6: You would have to wonder why... Um... TJ, TJ would have to be one of the luckiest ones going. Mm.
4: Um,
6: you know, we're going to bring a new guy through. Brad Weber's sort of, well, I think probably, and I think most people would agree that he's probably outplayed TJ this year um, in, in most aspects of the game. But um, yeah, look, we're, we're all uh, sort of home selectors, and we'll never work it out. But uh, I guess we can all discuss it together. But it's mind-numbing. You just got to wonder why, and it'd be nice to hear some answers, actually, especially for those three guys we're all talking about. Mm. But anyway. Yep. That's, um, thanks
0: for your time, Steph, anyway. Good luck working it out, Bill. Yes, mate. Thanks, mate. The unsolvable <laughs> puzzle. Uh, John, out of there. We'll take a break for new sport and weather. I think we got Jeff the Ref back on hold, but we'll take him straight after the news.
2: Listen, buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin' speed of madness. Yeah! <laughs>
0: Radio, we've got you back, Jeff the ref. G'day, buddy.
7: G'day, Steph. Yeah, I think we're, she's blowing his nuts off down here, so it might, might be the issue. <laughs> uh,
2: but anyway, uh,
7: I'm just wondering, like, uh, the lads here have missed out there, we're talking about Tom Christie and Stevenson and Co. Could Razor pick those guys up and throw them into that Barbars team? I'd love to see that.
0: Oh look! I would love to see it as well. But would New Zealand rugby, because they'll be contracted to New Zealand rugby, would they let them go and play in it? I don't know. Jeez, I don't know that, what I don't know what the right. restrictions around that are.
7: Yeah, right. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw it out there, Steffi, because uh, yeah, if, if Razor could pick those lads up and throw them in there, I don't. I haven't heard when that team's coming out, the Barbaras team. Um, what the protocols are, but. Jeez, I tell you would be pretty keen
0: to grab a few of those lads, I'd say. Yeah, I sort of made the point earlier on that I think <clears throat> if these New Zealanders in the Barbas team, they're generally players that are based in the north. So I wouldn't be surprised if, well, actually, no, see the likes of the, the internationals like James Lowe, etc., etc. et cetera, they'll all be having international duties as well. So maybe some non-internationals that are playing in France or in the UK might be added because if you pick two or three out of New Zealand, they're going to have to pay for them to fly and house them and play and all that sort of yeah. thing so it's probably just easier to fill up the roster from players domiciled in the Northern Hemisphere.
7: Yeah, right. I remember John Leslie, you know, when he played for a target, he was clearly Cup can't remember, was it 78? I can't remember but that year we won it um, against Waikato. I think it was the NPC. He was clearly the best number 12 in the country but you know, and we talked about David Latter, but, you know, he was a bit light, you know. But John Leslie would be one of the unluckiest all-blacks or uh, NPC players, not to be picked from the all-black squad. And I think that's another thing you could actually talk about. They're some of the most unluckiest, you know, NPC players uh, in the old days uh, that missed out in becoming
0: all right staffer you know yeah oh there's there's been there's been a number of them um you know in recent times that is the p i mean you can go back to um brendan laney as well who turned out for scotland you know yeah shane yep. howarth absolutely there's been a few back yep. in the day yeah good stuff yes, jeff has, don't get blown away today <laughs> he's
7: down here buddy <laughs> yeah
0: good man good to get through to jeff the ref finally <coughs> um Still can't really make sense of it, and and like you guys can't either. Um, how do we find out? Do we get Ian Foster on? Do we get Jason Ryan on? It's those two and Joe Schmidt. Is he selector? I know Jason Ryan. I think the, all three are selectors now, aren't they? Um, maybe we'll just try and get some clarity around it. Uh, some texts are coming. What's George Bridge done wrong? Someone asks. Um, Hayden brings up a good point. Uh, the thing is, Staffy there's been a change in assistant coaches since Island Series when they picked Peter Gus and Lester Whanganuku. Different coaches, different opinions in selection. That's a pretty good point. It, there obviously has been a shift. I mean, Jason Ryan made his impact quite quickly when he changed that front row out and bring in these new guys uh, in, a, in an amazing selection, um, brave selection. But, geez, it worked. It really worked. Um, so I guess, really good point, Hayden. Different selectors, different opinions. Let's go to Hamilton, talk to Simon. G'day, Simon. Good afternoon,
8: Staffie. Um The old theories are going round and this and that and all sorts, but there's a, there's a couple of guys. I see Billy Harmon even in that team, and I, and I rate him as a player, but he's come from a little bit from left field. Um, there's another, another guy... Uh, something, Willemio, Willemio or something like that? Yes. Where's he come?
0: Where I, does he come from? I know, out of, out of left field. It's, I mean, these guys are very good at identifying um, players, I guess you could say. Um, but, yeah, Billy Harmon, 27-year-old, um, you know, good flanker, out of Canterbury, plays for the Highlanders. But um, I just don't get him and, and not Tom Christie. I don't get it just, you
8: know, I can't get it. And uh, another little scenario for you. If uh, we're coming up to our last game of the tour and we're playing
0: England, is it? Um, yep. Aaron Smith to start. He goes down into the week before.
8: Obviously, we've got Perinara and thing over there. Do, do the All Black selectors rate Finley at number two? Does he start the test now? If he lost three key players out of there, four key players like Whitelock, Sarve, or Kane, Kane not so much, Savia, Smith, and let's say Rico Iwani, the guys that are in the squad, Iwani maybe not so much because Anton could possibly pop out there, but um, do these other older guys, or ex-All Blacks playing in the 15, uh, All Blacks 15, do they then come into the All Black squad and start straight away, or do they... They stick with the selections that they've been
0: selecting all year and not playing. I would expect and I would hope that the ones in the first picked all black team will fill the spots of those 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 injuries, those four spots you made. And if they need to take some reserves out of the All Blacks fifteen, that would where it would come from. Um, if if that was to happen, I would I would hope that the All Black fifteen wouldn't go straight into a spot starting spot because boy does that poo on the um, the guys that have been in the All Blacks waiting their turn like imagine if, if Bowden Barrett and Richie Moonga went down, jeez Perafeta better get the start and they better not pluck Damien McKenzie or Bring Gatland out of the 15 and start because that'd be a shocker oh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite keen to watch once we get up there in November and, and see
8: things unfold because I mean some of these guys that are in the, in the and 15, and they're still playing the next couple of weeks. There's potential for all sorts, so it makes you wonder who comes next, but someone, for me, like you said that Peter Gus hasn't been picked to play, so he couldn't play for the other one. It reeks of it, man. It reeks of it terribly, and uh, whether he's got some off-the-field issues or not, but we're talking about four players and and, um, we have to go back six or eight weeks and he was the form number eight in the Super Rugby, not the NPC, which is that next level
4: up, you know? So you've got to feel sorry. He's probably the biggest guy I feel sorry
8: for. He's Potentially um, a guy that will go next year if he's not even in the mix. And he's not in, in, in
0: that top 63 players now. It's alarming, isn't it? When you think about 63 players and the guys that aren't in that top 63, I've either read the room completely wrong... Or these 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 other plans afoot. I don't I, and I that's, don't understand what it is. That's
8: that's the bigger alarm to me. Mm. I
0: mean, uh, I mean everybody was calling
8: for colour grey. and just, I mean you, you take the injuries out of it, you can't do anything about that. But yeah, it's uh, it's, it's certainly a very uh, polarising selection that they've gone to, and um, I, my only thing on Bright Team is. Uh, my, I don't know Leon didn't select the side or didn't have any say in the selecting,
4: but was in the room when it was being selected. Is, is that a, a
0: little token one for the move? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, do, you start, do you start him or Roger to have asked after check? Yeah, another great question. So many questions, eh, Simon? Hey, listen, thanks yeah. for taking time to chat to us today, buddy. Always good to hear from you. Thank you, Thank you. Cheers, uh, we'll take a break we've got some calls waiting if you want to join them 0800 11. Darren we're coming to you next after the break Yes you're on SENZ Afternoons which is powered by Gull they fuel your mission all year round go to gull.nz uh, and uh, just just link up with them to send you notifications when they've got the big super duper specials on you, you won't regret it Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is the number. Darren, out of Aussie in Melbourne town, has called us. G'day, Darren.
9: G'day, hey, How are you? Good, buddy. Do you think um, you know from a PR point of view, the All Blacks have learned anything from you know how how badly things went with uh, with what's coming out?
0: <laughs> the answer's no. <laughs>
9: I got I got one word for you: clarity. Wouldn't that be nice?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice you know?
9: um,
0: because – and I'm, I mean, not, I'm not saying they're right decisions or wrong decisions, but I'd just like to know the why, you know?
9: Exactly. And I trust their decisions, right? I, hmm. I think Bryce Heem – I know he's you know 33 and all that, but he had a great Super Rugby season, and I think he's earned it. Hmm. But it'd be nice if they said that. Yeah. You know? Um, just, just to sort of – and Peter Gus, there's, there's, there's got to be a reason. It can't just be something's not right. You know whether or not he doesn't train well, or he's maybe he said to them, "Hey, this isn't for me." Mm. Um, you know, pressure-wise, you, know, that, that, you know, it could be another Liam Squire where it just got to him a bit much. It's not for him. Um, you know, I'm sure they could word it nicer than what I'm saying, or word it differently, but it would just be great to know because we'll feel poor for the guy. Like he's a bloody good player
0: yeah that's coming from a it's like mine isn't coming from an area of criticism. Mine's coming from an area uh, like a side of care and and like I hope these guys have been contacted and told why. I, I, I would expect that they would have. I would hope that they would have. Um, but we are all invested in these guys, you know, and that's why I'd like a little bit of clarity.
9: Yeah, and I mean, I'm not a chief supporter, and i I feel really bad for the guy because he deserved to be there, going on super rugby form easily mm. so I just I just wish uh you know like I said clarity if they had clarity and we you know they, they got in front of it rather than react get in front of it and then we can sort of go okay fair enough mm. and you know but uh, uh just another thing staff you've got a quick one for you mm. I read in the uh, Melbourne paper last week that Uber have approached the MCG and Marvel Stadium and they've got to roll out their software that they're using in America there watching a rugby game, get on your phone, I'll have four beers, two hot dogs. Bam, come straight to your seat. Uber. Uber. Mm. Uber Eats,
0: yeah. Uber Eats in the stadium. How good's that? <laughs>
9: How good is that? Look, that will get me going to rugby again. So I don't <laughs> want to queue up for a beer.
0: <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be served by Uber Robots.
9: I don't care. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just get in my belly. Because,
9: <laughs> no offence, whoever's serving it to me, I don't want to know their name, their star sign. Just give me the food, give me the beer. I want to watch the rugby. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> Good man. And, and, here, and here's your tip. <laughs>
0: oh, brilliant. Good stuff, Darren. Good to hear from you, buddy. Thanks, mate. See ya. Cheers, mate. Darren out of uh, Melbourne. One more before the break. It's Graham down at Good G'day, Graham.
10: G'day, Mark. How are you? Good, bud. Yeah, good, good call. That what Darren said about the Uber. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all going that way, isn't it? <laughs> it is the robots and all that. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, just on the New Zealand A selection. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure though if I agree with them about. I don't. I don't know if um clarity's always been All Black selectors. Um, you know, it's not something that comes naturally to. Um, to 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 a lot of them. I mean, Wayne Smith was different, but you know he's, he's always been like that. But yeah, you know, you you'd never know reasons for players being left out um, a lot of the time. You know, um, if it was personality clash, then, then never. I'm not saying that was Peter Gus, but w- what I'm saying is, is that. Um, you know, if that did happen they don't announce them at press conferences, that's for sure. Yeah, it's all very cloak and dagger with the the rugby union and and, and you know, I, I I like you, I think um Tom Christie's very unlucky. Um yeah, I'd flabber yeah, very surprised, you because know, a number of Canterbury players did make it, who deserved it, but uh, you know, he he's been a standout. And Fergus Burke, I think, you know, young first five, I thought he might have made the New Zealand A team. He's played like uh, Justin Marshall mentioned him on the Sunday afternoon program with Ricardo when I was on, and um, yeah, he's played, very, you know, he's hardly missed a kick all season. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't really like the idea of, um, you know, like you say, Richie and Bowden Barrack. <laughs> I mean, Stephen Perifeta, I'm very pleased about being in the All Blacks. But yeah, um, yeah, I've I'd, I'd never liked the idea of Mackenzie as a first five. Um, you know, he's a great, great little utility, but. Um, yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty contentious. I think we all agree with that, though, don't we, with these selections?
0: We do, mate. We do, mate. Um, thank you for your call. we tr- got to try and fit one more in. So thanks, yep. Graham, Cheers. out of Christchurch. Cheers, buddy. Hey, and quickly, before the break, we talk to Joey. G'day, Joey. G'day, Steph. Yeah, just Sean to Sean on Stanislaus mate.
2: You know, it's um, there's always one that, that flares up, isn't it, where, where someone doesn't get picked. But um, I hope he's got clarity where, like the other caller said from um, Melbourne, that he... um. I've told him why. You know, if you're not going to pick someone, you tell them why I haven't picked you, what you have to work on. But I can't see anything that he's got to work on. You know, I'm looking at it going, he. If you if you and I were to pick a side, staff, um sixty-three players, whatever, uh, at fullback, he can play wing two, Remember, so he's versatile. So you, he would be, he would be second or third pick at fullback. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm just. You know, what would it be at least third pick. So I think that I think what they were saying this morning on the on the radio this morning, and what Kempi said. I think because he's gone to the Dolphins, and he was thinking, well, he he's, or he, he was thinking about going there. Maybe they've gone and said, well, you know, um, you, you were going to go to the Dolphins, or you were. So the word was around that you you, you didn't want to play or, or whatever. But he's saying no at the moment. Look, I think personally he should now he should go to the Dolphins. And he will be—he will be a uh, Kiwi.
4: He'll mm. play
2: fullback for New Zealand. If mm. he goes to the Dolphins and gets and gets Wayne Bennett's coaching, I'm telling you now, that guy's got the skill to be a Kiwi Kiwi international. And uh, it's, what they've done to him is—I is, think's wrong. And also too, that when when you pick a when you have a side, Leon McDonald had no say. What's the point of coaching a side where you don't have any say? Oh, no. I don't believe that me saying to you, oh, I'll pick the Wellington side, Steph, um, and you coach them.
0: But yeah. you, you've got no say on who,
2: who you pick. It's, it's
0: ridiculous. I yeah. can't work that out. Yeah. You know, madness. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's madness. I, I do think it's madness. But uh, we're, we're hard on an ad break, uh, Joey. So thanks for your call. Well, so many discussion points around this All Black 15, isn't there? We'll be back after a short break. Just letting you know what's coming up in the next uh, three hours. Uh, in the next hour, we're going to be talking... To uh, Stephen Upfold, he's the GM of Volleyball New Zealand and they have the National Club Championships in Tauranga. Um, I think they start today. Is it today? I think they start today and go through to the weekend. Maybe they start tomorrow. Oh, Wednesday, tomorrow. Um, We also will be talking Indoor Cricket World Cup. I caught up with Ahmed Kawaja earlier this morning. Um, New Zealand are about to play... Uh, from memory, either uh, Australia or South Africa. Unbeaten at the moment in the tournament, five games in New Zealand. uh, The indoor Black Caps. I don't know what their name is. We'll see if we can find out. Um, But yes, some indoor cricket and a big hour between two and three. Our multiple world champion, a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit too, Jason Wynyard. Just an absolute rock star in the world of wood chopping. Do get your calls ready. I don't want it to all be me and him. I want you to get involved as well. But that is between Two and three. We'll be back with some text messages after the news. back into the next hour you 're on the afternoons with Staffy thank you to Gull. fueling your mission all year round um, some good text messages coming let let's let 's weave our way through them um, this is coming more than once actually uh, they 've achieved what they want with Peter Gus and with Peter Feta both can no longer play for another country. when is Tom Christie contracted until with NZRU and that may answer what he 's up to so I read a release in 2020 that he signed on to the end of 23 um, with Crusaders slash New Zealand Rugby. Um, Beyond that, don't know. Don't know. Um, I can only think the selectors want to see Marino Makalituu have a chance to start, and he deserves it, and see how he goes. Stuff had Peter Gus in camp. They know what he offers and how he goes in the all-black environment. Stevenson should be there over love, but again, Maybe the Dolphins have already turned his head with some big dollars. I can't explain Christy. He deserves it on regular form week in, week out. Greg, yeah, I agree with Christy, the the puzzling one. And again, I'm not criticising selection. I just want to understand um, what it is. And the fact that Jason Ryan, and uh, he will know the Canterbury and Crusaders uh, forwards better than anyone, doesn't pick Christy. Leads to speculation, Um, but that's by the by, I guess. We can't do anything. Um, On the All Black name from Mark, shouldn't they be the All Black Ferns? (laughs) The All Black Ferns, yes. Tom Christie, in my opinion, he's too small for international rugby and only shines because he's in the stockpiling super rugby franchise. I've never thought of him as too small, really. Um, and if Wikipedia's anything to go by, he's that says he's hundred and five kilos. Now is that right or wrong? I don't know. If it's wrong, and he's ninety, well there's weight to that, but I don't know I don't actually know what his size is. Um, a tongue in cheek from Steve, maybe Tom Christie is Razor's love child. And Fozzie can't bring himself to bring his to pick his replacements son. <laughs> love some humour on a Tuesday. Um, a lot of text messages of support to Gordon and Wai out there. Gordon had a lot of those in. So a number of people have texted in sending you their support, my friend. So I hope you're bearing up well. And uh, if you're listening into the radio, as I said at the top of the show, our thoughts are all with you, champion. Uh, Staffy, with Moonga and probably Barrett leaving after the Rugby World Cup, that leaves a huge hole. Stephen Perifeta is not a bad player, but he's a, got a long way to go to be world-class, first five in under two years. And we all know if you haven't got a world-class number 10, you will struggle. Just look at Australia. Yeah, 10s in the country, world-class. Who do you see as a potential world-class 10? Maybe, I can see Steven Perifida getting there, to be honest, with time in the saddle. He's had time in the camp. He's had no time on the, pa- on the paddock. I will be, I was going to say surprised, but nothing surprises me anymore. I'll be disappointed if he isn't named to start against Japan. Disappointed, massively, and so would he be. I won't be surprised. Jeez, he better start against them. Future, world-class first fives. Gosh, that could be a midday madness. I think Aiden Morgan um, from the Hurricanes. I think, again, not now. Two or three years, a lot of opportunity. Potentially, um, he could be that guy. Um, Apparently... <laughs> On the Tom Robinson not making it, Uh, New Zealand rugby only allows one Ginger Ninja and they've chosen Finlay Christie and I'm feeling for Tom Robinson. (laughs) Bit of Tuesday humour once again. Hey staff, no Tom Christie, Stevenson, Bridge, Daniel Leonard-Brown, Kurt Eklund, Tom Robinson, Peter Gus, Selby Rickett. I'm gutted for those boys and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see them head offshore. Why would they stay when the All Black coaches are picking players out of MPC with little or no super rugby experience from Paddy? Yeah, um, this is a huge, like, I do feel like it's a huge advertisement for the depth of rugby players in New Zealand. Like, we've we've always bemoaned, I, I go back to when Charles Piotr left and he was at the top of his game, we can't afford to lose him and, someone else steps up and, and these top 63 but these guys the ones that Paddy's just mentioned Christy Stevenson Bridge Daniel Edit Brown Eklund Robinson Peter Gus Selby Rickett they now know they're not in the top 63 players in the country the top 63 that's four teams and they're not in there you just wonder what's going through their head at the moment um, and I feel for them I do feel for them Staffy, Bryce team covers 12 and 15 and he's a big body. And Ardi Savia is taller and the same weight and a different quality than Christy Cheskin. Yeah, I never said he was good as Ardi Savia. I'd never say that. Artie's just on a different planet in world rugby, almost. But isn't he worth a crack? Like, he's he's come back from that. I think he had a year out, didn't he, in 2019, with a really bad injury. Um. All Black 15 is, when you have a look at these guys on the international stage, the, the perfect opportunity, but they've seen they've seen otherwise. Um, in regards to Short Stevenson, New Zealand rugby have always treated players that show an interest in ply, playing for anyone else poorly. Look at the players who wanted to play sevens. Liam Messam, Caleb Clark. They struggled to get back in after dabbling in sevens. TJ Peronaro looked into going to league and fell out of favour immediately. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good point as well. That's a pretty good point as well. Um Staffy, Foster's picked the side so he's just his something again. I can't say that word, Grant. I can't say that word. Um let's have a let's have a chat to Mark out of Taranaki. G'day Mark
11: How are you Staffy? Good buddy Good, good I, um just on this team, this New Zealand 15, I, I think it probably comes down to the terms of reference, if you like, for the uh, selection. Uh, Bryce Heem is a real head-scratcher. Uh, he's as old as me. Uh, not a bad player. But, um, you, you know, you mentioned Christie and, and, and Selby Rickett and guys like that. Uh, I, I don't really know what's going on with them, but you would imagine that... Uh, the New Zealand rugby union had a had some terms of reference to say right we want these sorts of players in the team Mm. Would, would you think that
0: would be true? Yeah, well, it all comes from the selectors. The, and it's just the I don't think the, the boffins in the office just down the corridor from us would have any say at all. Um, and that's why they've employed uh, Foster Schmidt and Ryan. And they obviously have a formula. They obviously have a particular type of athlete they're looking at. They, they probably know more than us who's not going to be here after the World Cup, so they know the holes they need to fill. Um, and that will form part of this basis. But I'd love to hear from them.
11: Yeah, I mean, Perinara uh, and Weber, fantastic players as well. Um, Is this the team for them? This used to be a team that was full of um, promising up-and-coming guys, and and, uh, we seem to have a bit of a mishmash. So I don't know what they're thinking, but I I can't work out what they think anyway at the best of times.
0: (laughs) We're left to scratch our heads, and uh, it certainly fills our mind more than it probably should, doesn't it?
11: It, it does, um, you know. Peter Gus, what a—he's what uh, been treated very poorly. Uh, he dropped the ball once when he played for the All backs He also scored a try, and uh, and played pretty well. Uh, he's a genuine number eight. He's a good runner off the back. But they don't appear to want him. They appear to want to manufacture people in that position. Um, so yeah, the, look, I don't agree with their selections uh, at at any level but especially this uh, New Zealand 15 just seems to me to be uh, well I I don't know I I, I really don't know I'm like you Staffy so I haven't added much I've just confused you more sorry about that
0: (laughs) well if that was your intention you succeeded <laughs> <laughs>
11: I wasn't trying to, but I'm confused myself, I think.
0: Yeah, but no, uh, yeah. that's what it's all about, mate. Um, confusion reigns, it, it
11: does, but
0: um, go the black fans anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Nice note to finish on, my friend. Thanks for calling in.
11: Okay, cheers, Mark
0: from Taranaki, there. Um, yeah, it's just a head scratcher, and again. I am getting a few text messages saying just get behind the team. I'm behind the team. I'm behind the team. And this is why we love the team. We love the all blacks. We love anything in a black jersey. And it's just that's why we discuss it because we care about these people. And um and I'm certainly not saying and and I haven't said um this player shouldn't be in there. You no, know, I didn't I didn't I haven't said that about Bryce. Ham. He's had a wonderful super rugby season and he's been good for Auckland as well, so I'm okay. You know, Alex Nankerville, loved him. Baylon Sullivan, huge man for the future. AJ Lamb, big, powerful, fast, good family as well. Good, He's a good man as well, so he ticks that box. Reuben Love, young, exciting, um, an untapped potential. Uh, is Reuben Love at this stage better than Sean Stevenson or do they see Reuben Love versus Sean Stevenson and they forecast in three years what offers them the most when they need them the most, which is in two or three years. And does Ruben Love tick that box ahead of Sean Stevenson? Maybe. And they're allowed to think that. But I just don't know. Um, and I just had a thought. One, one player I haven't mentioned, I'm just double-checking I've got this right, that, old oh mate, because someone just texted in there's no one from Northland has made that place. So Rush didn't make it. For some strange reason, I thought he'd made it. He hasn't made it. Jeepers. Tanifar, people, you've had a season and a half, haven't you? And um, no one in there. Is there anyone in the backs? Wellington, Hawke's Bay, Counties, Harbour, Waikato, Tasman, Auckland, Tasman, Waikato, Auckland, Wellington Harbour. Not a soul. And what a season you've had, Northland. What, a se- what joy the Tanifar have brought us rugby fans this year. Playing rugby, how I love it being played at provincial level. Just playing for your province, playing for your emblem playing for your people in the, at Seminoff Stadium. My worst rugby memory involves North Auckland, as they were then, but I, nothing to do with you. Um, I've, I've always had massive respect and just loved seeing the Cambridge Blue getting some well-deserved wins. Um, but for now, for now, we will take a break. We're going to talk about... Uh, the club volleyball championships, the national club championships are on in Tauranga this week. We're Going to catch up with Stephen Upfold shortly and then um, in the not too distant future we'll have a quick update from Brendan Popperwell. We're going to talk about the indoor cricket world cup which is going on at the moment in Australia. And from 2-3, to Jason Wynyard, world champion, lumberjack, axeman, woodsman, woodchopper, the whole shebang. He's been doing it for years and he's been top of the world for years and he's about to go away and give it another crack and he is going to join us in studio for the whole hour. Get your questions ready, either text, but I'd love you to ring up and talk to Jason. I'd love to give this guy some kudos for you know for how long he's been at the top. I think he won his first one in 2004 or seven. I can't remember, one of those two, um, but he will be in studio. I'd love you to ring up and just... Show some love to to absolute elite sportsmen in New Zealand. That's between two and three. But after the break, we're going to be talking some net ups, not netball, volleyball, Stephen Upfold, GM of Volleyball New Zealand. He'll join the show after the break. Right, we are going to be talking some volleyball now. It is the 53rd Volleyball New Zealand Club Championships, um, and it's in Tauranga. Joining us is the GM of Volleyball New Zealand, Stephen Upfold, joins us. G'day, Stephen.
12: Hey, Steffi. How you doing?
0: Very well, mate. Um, are you like a lot of the other sports have been gagging to get going after this COVID hiccup?
12: Mate, I think we're in exactly the same space as everyone. Um, it's been a bit of a challenge with the volleyball space because uh, we've gone indoor to a camp floor, which had extended, I guess you'd call it, um, restrictions over last summer. So the indoor community and the volleyball system have been gagging for it for a while too. Two championships in a row cancelled off so looking forward to getting back on the court starting tomorrow morning.
0: What's the feedback from the athletes to be all back together playing for their clubs at a national championships?
12: Yeah, I think it's just really nice to be back together playing, you know, doing what they love to do, which is getting out on the court and doing their thing and it's not just through the event that starts on Wednesday. The, um, the volleyball system that leads towards this event, uh, we've been playing in the in the zonal competitions that happen around the country that determine seeding and placements for Division One for this. So. Um, it's good to see that at the national event, which starts on Wednesday, we'll be back on the court, but a lot of the players have had a chance to get their reps in and get set through the zone competitions around the country over the last couple of months.
0: Do we see crossover athletes that play both beach volleyball and indoor volleyball?
12: Yeah, there is a bit of both. Like, I think um, it's a growing, the beach side of things is
6: growing specialisation, I guess you'd call it.
12: Like, um, you obviously saw... Shauna and Alice just succeeded on the world stage at the Asian Championships in the beach volleyball space. They were at the Commonwealth Games and Sam and Brad were at the Commonwealth Games as well. And, and um, all four of those players have been part of the indoor system at some point, either in the, the club competition, the regional system or in um, the new National League that started last year. So I think um, volleyball skills cross crossover and then it comes time, certain times of the year or certain years, where people will specialise based on uh, what's working for them at a given moment.
0: And what's the health like of of your sport through the regions? What what's the participation levels like?
12: Yeah, I think uh, the the general figure across the board is around about forty thousand players across all the various age grades. We're pumping in the school space. Um, it's one of the biggest sports in the secondary school space, and particularly for for women. So. Um, the volleyball system is very much set uh, up from the age of 13 through 18 where people get their first sort of taster at schools where access is, is easy to come by and, and where there's committed and, and passionate people who are driving volleyball from a teacher perspective. We do get a lot of um, youth participants. Obviously, the challenge for us, just like it is for everybody, mate, is to transition that once people leave school and through university and then into the club space, which is what this club event's all about.
0: How far and wide have the teams come from? Is it the length and breadth of the country?
12: Yeah, the four zones we've got, we've got a northern zone that's basically northern and Auckland, and um, amongst the Division One teams, there's an allotment from there, and then there's a Midland zone, which is Waikato and uh, the Bay of Plenty, and then into the central zone, which is the lower North Island and the southern zone, which is the entire South Island. So there's teams filtered across the Division One competitions from each of those zones, and then the Division Two, um, which is a, I guess a wider entry pool with no restrictions. Uh, people can enter from all over the place. So there's clubs um, far and wide throughout the main centres that have are uh, all making their way if so they're not there already to it today. Who's the
0: Who's the the strong hub, where's volleyball got really got a stronghold and, and produce the athletes? Is, is there a Fakatane? Is there, is, there is there a Rotorua? Is there a Whanganui? Is there somewhere that's just volleyball is life?
12: I might be a dead man for, for picking a couple of places here, but I'll see how I go. <laughs> um, the, I guess the, the strong zones are where the population is um, in terms of how they represent in our in our club championships. So the Northern Zone through the Auckland system has the biggest number of club slots in that Division One competition. Christchurch, as well as a stronghold for for volleyball, both um, indoor women's and men's, and most of the the role of honour that we look through historically has had um, teams succeeding out of Auckland and Christchurch. But that said, um, there's some um, other places around the country um, which have got and had spot success. Um, so there's a there's a bit of talent in the in the concentrated marine centres, but um, Tidonger itself, for example, in the in the women's category, they won the competition back in 2018, so they're looking to win it on what is basically their home for, uh this coming week. So um, yeah, the. the, the the main centres, Auckland, Christchurch and in the bay and specifically for the beach stuff definitely in the bay That you'd call that almost the
13: default home of, of beach volleyball for us.
0: And finally um, we know it's in Tauranga so for for locals that want to get along and just watch and be entertained and support and for the non-locals, the people around New Zealand that want to um, watch it, is, is there is there any way they can watch?
12: Yeah definitely, so the Division 1 Men's and women's competitions are live streamed, so just jump on our website, uh, volleyball, New Zealand, um to get all the streaming details. And if you're down and around in Tauranga and the Mount over the next five days, get down to Trayton's Power Bay Park Arena and uh, the Queen Elizabeth Youth Centre where we're split across um, those two venues majority at Park Arena. though. look forward to seeing
0: everybody. Brilliant. All right. Well, thanks for for joining us. I wish you uh, all the very best, you and all the athletes that have had to be very patient. Um, But I can tell through your voice how excited uh, you and all the athletes must be just to have a national competition back on the calendar. Uh, Go well, Stephen. Thanks for taking time today. Good. uh, Thanks. There he is, Stephen Upfold. So if you're in the Tauranga region, um, get along. Uh, it's at the the Bay Events Centre, I think he said, uh, which is where the netball is, it's where the rugby is, it's that huge big precinct um, where the big flyover's finally opened, hasn't it? Finally opened. Um, so go along and have a look. Or if you want to um, watch it, stream it, um, go to VolleyballNewZealand.org, uh, I think he said. Uh, but just Google it and uh, they'll have a live stream there. I also think it's... Um, Yes, it's the men's and women's uh, Division 1 games that will be live-streamed. couple more text messages before we take the news. Um, Kia ora, staff. I thought Josh Morby and Rives Rayhana, uh could have made the New Zealand 15. No Taniwha players. Uh, someone said offer Tunga Now, he's All Blacks, not the 15, I think. I think. God, there's just so many now, isn't there? Um after producing arguably the outstanding individual performance of the year, what are the chances of Geordie Barrett starting the next test at 12? He is listed as outside back, and Anton Leonard-Brown and Haveli are both back, plus Roger Tuivasa-Sheck is seen as a 12. It's from Sumo William, Brisbane. I think that first test in Japan... Uh my crystal ball would suggest that they will start Anton Leonard Brown because he's been out of rugby for so long and get some mileage under his, under his wing either off the bench or start. I think he will feature. Geordie Barrett maybe not. He might sit that one out. Um, but when the real big first test in earnest comes in, very interested in the twelve jersey. Very interested. Uh, Staffy Payton Spencer for ten in the future. Come the next World Cup, and Alex Hodgman has been hard done by as well, Kent. Yes, so Peyton Spencer, son of Carlos, um, has been signed by Auckland and the Blues uh, in his last year of secondary school at the moment, but he's big and he's skilled. Um, Fantastic. And a good text message here, given that we're going to be talking to Jason Wynyard in between two and three. uh, wood chopping As a lumberjack, I cut down 56,457 trees. And I know this because I kept a log. Bada boom, bada boom, <laughs> not bad. Steph, uh, I have a question. I have one question, which is a real poser. What would the team look like if Leon McDonald was the selector and the coach? I would suggest it would look very different. I think you uh, very different, <coughs> Steffi. I think you'll find that Peter Gus wasn't good enough at the haka. I can't think of any other reason. Um, Offer played for Northland this year, and I believe he made the squad. There we go. I am thinking the New Zealand 15 is in part a thanks for your service tour. No great opposition and only a few games, and older players are in there. I'd love to know how many New Zealand rugby officials will be accompanying the squad. Great use of Silver Lake money. Not. I agree New Zealand rugby should front foot this stuff and stop rumours and conspiracy. Tony, I'm with you on that one. I am definitely with you on that one. Let's go and catch up with the latest in new sport and weather and we'll come back and in the next half hour we'll catch up with Brendan Popple out of the TRB and we'll talk some indoor cricket World Cup as well. Let's head to the mighty Waikato and talk to Brendan Good G'day, Pops. Hey, Steph. You are good, man. TAB time, my friend. I'm very good. I'm very, very good. Uh, looking forward to these MPC Super, uh, these Super Semis. Um, they are going to be amazing.
14: Yeah, mate, they are. um, Look, it's set up, isn't it? I think we've seen a great uh, NPC this year and uh, I think we've got a couple of games that uh, punters will be keen to bet into and just general public will be keen to take in in what's going to be a couple of great games. Canterbury, uh, first of all, we'll mention their match against Bay of Plenty. Look, we've seen a lot of money around Canterbury. Punters are pretty keen to say that they've won this competition already. Uh, we, We were taking money on them when the first week of the finals and the quarterfinals to win at around that $2 mark, the one thirty could beat Bay of Plenty. And we've seen money on them on the 13 and over line uh, at $2.10. And the other match, look, uh, Wellington are favourites just at one sixty seven versus Auckland at $2.20. You just feel as though you're waiting for Auckland to release. Where Wellington have had a very good season. So that's where the market sits at the moment. Fairly really 50-50 uh, actually at this stage, this early stage with money in that match.
0: Brilliant, Pops, uh, and I hate to do this to you, but we have to duck off because we've got a promised time that we have to hit, I'm sorry. So we will go more in-depth when we next chat.
14: One more thing. Uh, most sixes in the cricket, black caps, well back in that margin. $2, uh, we've taken 2500 on
0: that bet. Awesome. Thanks, Pops. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Brenda Popwell, tab.co.nz is where all of that info is. We do have to go because when we come back, we're going to play you the chat I had this morning with Ahmed Kawaja about this Indoor Cricket World Cup. With so many World Cups going on at the moment, it might surprise you, it might have snuck up on you that the World Cup of Indoor Cricket is about to get underway in Australia and New Zealand is represented over there. Uh, Joining us now to talk a little bit about it, Indoor Cricket commentator, he's in the media about Indoor Cricket as well, his name's Ahmed Khawaja, Uh, Ahmed welcome into the show. Uh,
15: Thanks Mark, Um, yeah, pleasure to be here and uh, thanks for having me.
0: Indoor cricket. Uh, Most people have probably had a crack at it over their times. I remember probably 20 years ago in Palmerston North, I used to go down to the local one, and (laughs) and I even managed uh, a a Hutt Valley team in the North Island Champs a few years ago as well. It's a fantastic sport. And um, is there still heavy participation at the social and competitive level in New Zealand in indoor cricket? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean,
15: obviously, um, as we both know, know, COVID is... Had some impact and probably taken things back, you know, a year or two, the last couple of years. But but yeah, still very much so. It's um, there's still a good level of participation at the social at the social level, and you know, obviously, if you go into your local indoor sports centre, you'll certainly see a lot of that. And and then obviously, you know, the World Cup is, is for those for those people. You know, just to know that there's you know, there's some more serious element to the game as well.
0: So New Zealand's got a team over there. Are all the well-known cricketing nations there? Are we going to see Australia and England and India and the West Indies? How does it, how what's the what's the team make up of the main draw?
15: Yeah. So the majority of those teams come in the men's draw. So, so just to put it in context, um, at these World Cups there'll be an, an open men's, so that men's, you've got women and then you've got under twenty two men and under twenty two women. In terms of the men's, that's where the majority of the of the, the cricket playing nations are. So Australia are there obviously as the hosts in Melbourne. Um, they've you know they've won all ten uh, women's titles and all eleven men's titles, so, so they're completely dominant. Wow. Um, New Zealand's not far behind now. Um, and then obviously you've got South Africa, you've got Sri Lanka, uh, India, United you know, Arab Emirates, England, um, and Singapore as well. Um, so, so those are the main men's teams, and then obviously in the women, it's it's a, a bit a bit further behind. But you've got Australia, New Zealand, and you're doing in South Africa. The same with the with the under men's and women's, and and for the first time, uh, Singapore also fielding a, a women's team.
0: Is there much crossover? Like if we looked through the team sheets from these um, at the, the the participating nations at the World Cup, would would you see players that we've seen? Play international cricket in the outdoor scenario.
15: Yeah, so in terms of the, the sort of the I guess the lesser nations like the you know the likes of the UAE, and you know, I've had a look at some of the guys. They you know probably once upon a time a few years ago they would have played outdoor cricket. So you know if you, if you probably went on to cricket and fell and had a look at their profile, I think you would see it. Um, but obviously you know because you know they have to they also have to pro work you know part time jobs. It's just it's hard to to manage so indoor cricket obviously involves less of a, a less time I guess to, to put towards all that and, and they can manage it in terms of the main countries, um I mean the, the main one for New Zealand of course is um Jesse Ryder. so he he is uh, he's very much into his indoor um and this is the second World Cup actually so he played in 2017 when it was in the in the UAE um but but yeah he, he really loves indoor cricket so he's he's, he's um, gotten back into it since he stopped playing outdoor um, a lot more. And, and also the sort of likes of Australia. So they've got um, Clive Rose, who's, who's played sort of for Hobart Hurricanes and in and the BBL, and then going to have Nathan Rimmington, who's also played for the BBL. I mean, most of these guys that you will see are, you know, they've, they've sort of had a... They're kind of sort of there or thereabouts. They're probably, you know, top sort of club level cricketers or they're probably, you know, maybe some of them are fringe domestic players. Um, you know, England have Nat Patel who sort of played for, um, central districts. Um, and, and in New Zealand on the women's side, there are a lot of either ex or current sort of domestic cricketers. Um, so, um, you know, a lot of them obviously use it, use it as a, I guess, a winter format, but, but many have sort of managed to I guess, stay on and continue playing.
0: And what's the format for the World Cup? I think it gets underway tonight. Is there pools? Is, there is it round-robin? T- took us through the format.
15: So in terms of, yeah, it's a bit of a different format this time round, mainly because of the the, the amount of under-22 sides. So it actually started over the weekend on Saturday. Um, the men's draw, there's, there's the eight countries, and what they've done, because there's only three under-22 men's sides, they've actually combined... Kind of combine that pool. So, in fact, there's there's eight, eleven teams in that pool. Um, they'll all play each other once, um, but they actually kind of split off after that. So the under 22 men, whoever finish one, two, and three, will you know the top the top qualifier will go to the final. Uh, but the men will just also have their own individual pools. The top the top four men teams um, will go through to the cup stage. Um, and the bottom four, so fifth to eighth, will play off for the plate. And then from there, it's a sort of, you know, you'll have your preliminary preliminary matches, qualifiers, and then you'll have, um, we'll have your grand finals thereafter. So essentially, if you're in, in the men's you, you want to hit that top four um, and give yourself a chance to, I guess, play off, play off the cup. In terms of the women, it's a bit similar too because there's only four women's sides and three under-22 women's sides. So there's seven. Um, and again, they'll split off after they've played, but they'll, they be playing a double round robin. So essentially they'll have to play six or six, 12 matches. Um, so it's, it's, a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a long round robin stage. And again, uh, the top under 22 women's side will go straight through to the final two and three will play off in a prelim. Um, same for the women. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it there's a bit of cricket. Um, there's a, there's a there's a lot to actually get through and in the space of sort of seven to eight days um, and, and teams are typically playing one to two games a day but there'll be three games running sort of simultaneously, I guess, at all that all stage.
0: Well, I foolishly thought it started tonight. You're telling me it started in the weekend. So how are the Kiwi teams sitting at the moment?
15: <laughs> Pretty good, actually. And, and look, as I expected, um, Australia and New Zealand are, are both right up there in, in all grades. Um, so... The, the, the main talking point of, of uh, opening day was that uh, New Zealand beat Australia in the men's. That was about 75 to 58. And so they toppled them. And, and that was, um, you know, I guess it's a bit of a bit of a shots fired sort of scenario, um, opening stages. And, and since then, they've gone on to, they've gone on to, um, won a couple of, they won a tight game against United Arab Emirates last night. Uh, they've beaten Sri Lanka. Um, obviously, the you know the scenario where they were playing the under twenty-two side, so that was pretty good to watch, and they've won that. So New Zealand are five from five at the moment, um, and, and they're on twenty-six points. Australia are, are right behind them; they're also on twenty-six, but they've got four wins. Um, and um, obviously, Sri Lanka and England thereafter. So there's a bit of a bit of a um, I think there's going to be a bit of a jostling for position for the last two for the last two so You've got Sri Lanka, England, India, and United you know, Arab Emirates. Um, South Africa haven't won yet. On the women's side, it was a similar scenario. Australia beat New Zealand on the, open, the opening day, but from then on they've, they've all won their games from there on. So Australia's sort of sitting atop the women's standings and under-22 women's standings, and, and New Zealand are right behind them. Um, I think the surprise I've also noticed is that in the meeting um, the Australia under-22s and New Zealand under-22s, they're beating some of these top-level nations. So, you know, probably says something to the standard of that. Cricket here and over there. That you know they're both beating South Africa and um, they're playing some really good cricket. So they're yet they to play each other, um, but but I think when that happens, it's going
0: to be a very good game. Is there a way for us to watch these, Ahmed? Um, for those that have just joined, that we're talking about the World Cup of indoor cricket over there in Australia, can, can we watch it or view it or stream it? Yeah,
15: yeah absolutely. So uh, things have advanced, um, which is. It, it, Quite positive in terms of streaming ability. So, if you go to um, go to YouTube and you go to Cricket Australia's uh, YouTube channel, um, at all times during the day, uh, there is a um, there'll be three games running simultaneously. So, one is one is essentially on one court will be um, you know basically a, a proper broadcast through um, through Kayo Sports, sort of owned by Foxtel. Um, you know, so you can, you know, see the graphics, there'll be commentary, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's, a pretty good run operation. A second court will just be showing, uh, you know, a fixed camera score and sound. Um, so you can follow the game. And then a third court will, will just have the camera. So it just depends who you want to watch. But, um, if you go, if you go to Cricket Australia's YouTube channel, you can, you can definitely find it there. Um, and if you go to Cricket Australia indoor Facebook page, you'll be able to find the fixture list. So, timings obviously of when, when games are played but roughly they're going um, at um, Australian Eastern Australian Standard Time 9, 11, 1, 3 5 and 7 so you know we're a couple of hours ahead so you can kind of choose what you want to watch uh, when but, but yeah obviously it's all there to be, it's all there being streamed, you can re-watch it, you can watch it, it's um, it's pretty great feeling actually.
0: And when's uh, because we're all about currency when's New Zealand's next games that we could stream?
15: So today, New Zealand uh, have just the one game, and it's against the uh, South Africa under twenty-two. So that's um, a bit later this morning. So it's at eleven o'clock, Eastern Standard Time. Um, But that uh, it'll be a one o'clock start here. So um, yeah, look, I mean they're they're in really good form. They're looking good. Um, and it's definitely worth the watch. Probably the other one, I think, um, which is shortly going to take place, is uh, the under 22 men take on Australia under 22, um, which is at 11 o'clock in New Zealand time. So, yeah, look, I mean, it, it, probably at this point, mate, they're sort of all halfway through that round robin stage, and, you know, everyone's gotten a feel and acclimatised, and, and so there's a lot more cricket to be played. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, hopefully New Zealand teams can, can sort of take it from here because we haven't won a World Cup yet.
0: And last question, we have White Ferns Black Caps um, Black Ferns, what are the indoor cricket team known as? Uh,
15: yeah, look I've been thinking about that for a while but um, in terms of a name you could give them but they don't have one so um, uh, yeah, I, I think that would, uh, that would probably help if we could, they could be known by something so Maybe you could put it out to the listeners and, and run a poll, <laughs> see what they think.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh, what could it be? Indoor cricket, <laughs> New Zealand indoor cricket, the indoor caps. I don't, I don't know
15: what it could be. Yeah, well, that's what I thought too, but I don't know. It just didn't sound right. <laughs> no, it's not
0: quite right, is it? Hey, mate, um, really good to chat to you today, Ahmed. Um, now that we're all across it and we can go to uh, Cricket Australia's YouTube Channel. We can stream it live. We can watch Jesse Ryder and his mates, some youngsters, and our women cricketers take on the world. And uh, so far, so good. Halfway through, we're we're looking pretty. Thanks for joining us today, Ahmed, and uh, we'll catch up again.
15: No worries. Thanks, Mark. Pleasure. Appreciate
0: it. I was going to give you an update on the score at that indoor cricket, um, but it's, oh no, 75. I think that's New Zealand's on 75. And I think... I've got seventy five forty two. so me and Kieran's YouTube uh, live streaming is all up the wazoo. Um, but good to know, you can tune into the YouTube Live uh, Cricket Australia's YouTube channel and you can stream the New Zealand effort for nothing. They've got three indoor cricket courts uh, going and um, you can watch live the whole time. And remember, you can watch that volleyball live too on uh, Volleyball New Zealand's website. So we're... Uh, We're hitting everything except rugby, rugby league and cricket and netball and all that stuff that we normally talk about. And in the next hour, um, he's arrived in the building. Jason Wynyard is here, a multi-world champion. He's a New Zealand order of merit for his service to the sport and he just keeps going. And in about a week, he's off to the world champs again. So get your questions in. You can text them in on double eight double three, a temper post... I've done it again, temper bear post text machine. Or, I would really love your course to Jason 0800 150 811. He's just been to the dentist, half of his face is paralyzed, <laughs> so we need you to really test out his gum muscles. <laughs> but, Jason Winyard, uh, the wonderful axeman who's been a part of you know a historical run, hundreds of titles all around the world, and we're very, very fortunate to have him in studio for the next hour. So, jump on the phone jump on the text messages and we'll be joined by Jason after the news. Welcome back in. Uh, we have a wee treat for you in the afternoon. So, Staffy here on SENZ. I feel like I'm in the midst of Axe Royalty. Uh, Jason Wynyard, um, so many titles, it'd uh, take the whole hour to rattle them all off. Uh, multiple world champion, getting ready for another campaign. Welcome in, Jason. Thanks. Thanks, Mark.
16: This time of year, um, how many days until you go to the worlds? I'll fly out next Wednesday, so it's uh, it's counting down pretty quickly. and a few things to organise so um still getting a lot of equipment ready to to send over and um a little bit of stress but um thankfully the the heavy part of the training is is kind of done and there's more explosive work coming up um in the in the lead up to when i fly off so enjoying the the explosive work and um it's good being past the the heavy grind
0: yeah i'm sure do you still get as excited with 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 the world cup you know the the big world title on the line and 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 you're going to the plane you're sitting on the plane you know where you're going is the excitement level still
16: high i think the plane trip is a bit of a drag but um i i really do get excited about getting over there and and you know competing it's um I've learned to enjoy the journey more. I think as of as I've aged, and um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's pretty exciting to to come from where I've come, uh, come through what I've come through, and uh, to be at this stage on the cusp of going over there and, and having a crack at the title. So, um, yeah, all been all been worth it, and uh, really looking forward to getting over there.
0: We welcome your calls uh, into Jason Winyard, multiple world champion, uh, member of the order of New Zealand Merit, however you get those letters around the right way. Donald from Christchurch has called in, and it says here he's keen to chat to Jason. G'day, Donald. Hey you doing, mate? Are you right? I'm well. Jason's all ears.
16: How are you, Donald?
0: Yeah, good,
13: thanks, Jason. Good. Hey, uh, you sound like me in my younger day, when I used to cut wood, and I'm 64 now, and I'm still cutting bloody wood.
16: <laughs> <laughs> I turned 49 in November, so um, I've been at it since I was 12, so I uh, still love it, and... Uh, Yeah, can't can't get enough of it. Good on you. Now my
13: question for you matey was um, is there different types of wood that you have to cut in these competitions and if so do you have to cut your axe or sharpen your axe appropriately?
16: Yes you do. Um, Sorry, there is different types of timber and depending on what country you travel to compete in um, that kind of sorts out what timber they use for the various competitions. So with this Still Timber Sports World Championship that's going to be held in Sweden, um, they use poplar for, for the competition wood. So poplar for the chopping wood and they use white pine for the soaring wood. So it, it's um, both of those Very are soft. A fairly soft wood species, yeah. So. Yeah.
13: And what's the hardest country to chop wood in?
16: Oh, it'd have to be, well... Uh, Australia and, and Spain would be on par. Uh, the Spanish competitions, they they have endurance-type competitions, which sometimes last for eight hours. So so you'd have to call them the, the toughest, like that would be the toughest competition. And then the, the species of wood they use there is beech. And then throughout Australia, they use various types of eucalyptus. So some of their competitions can last, you know, Two to three minutes um, yeah. with the hardest sort of timbers.
13: Yeah. now that would blunt my chainsaw <laughs> the eucalyptus. <e-curipters. laughs> yeah
16: and, and you mentioned with the axes as well, um, so generally the harder the wood is, um, the thicker the bevel needs to be on the axe. so oh, okay yeah. for for chopping poplar, we normally have anywhere from twelve and a half to fourteen degree on the bevel. And for your harder woods like eucalyptus and beech, you can get up to 18 to 20 degrees on the bevel. So you just adjust um, the equipment to suit the the wood that you're competing in.
13: Hey, always very nice talking to you, mate, and you go well, matey.
0: Likewise, mate. Thanks very much. There he is, (laughs) Donald out of Christchurch. Any questions for Jason? And uh, bugger you, Donald, you took a couple of my questions off me. I was talking about different wood, and... um, Different equipment, what does your, you know, golfers have 14 clubs, what's your competitive axe rack look like?
16: Uh, I've got a roughly 80 different axes. Um, wow. For this competition over in Sweden I'll take roughly 16 axes um, of various sizes and uh, slightly different degrees on the bevel um, and also different grinds so... You never know what quite is going to work in the timber when you go to any of these championships. So you have to take a wide selection. And also there's always a chance of equipment getting damaged on the trip over. So um, I'll send three crosscut saws, my um, big modified chainsaw, and then like 16 axes to try and cover the bases.
0: Wow, amazing. And is it is it a two-piece component like the what do you call it, the bevel and and then the, the handle? Are they two separate components that you put together or do you just have
16: a complete axe already set up? Uh, the axes are, will be set up like the handle. The handle takes quite a lot of work. You you fit the handles to suit your grip and then of course you fit, like the length of the handle suits y- your personal swing and generally your body body size um, and then also you adjust the, the weight of the head to, to suit what you what you can manage to swing basically. Generally you have heavier axes for softer wood than you do for harder wood. So,
0: so the hardwood takes a lot longer. So you know, world records are held with soft wood, would that be fair to say?
16: Yeah. Um there's a world record in, in every class of wood for different diameters of, of the event that you're competing in. So there's there's a lot of different world titles that you can compete for and there's also a lot of different species of, of timber that you can c- compete um, to win a world title in as well. So it makes it a little bit confusing. Much like boxing with all the different um, world titles, yeah. a, a wood chopping is probably 10 times worse because there's so many different species and sizes of, um, of wood for that particular event. So,
0: At the top of the sport, which you've been for a long time, is it the same you'll go to these world champs and you'll know them all pretty much?
16: The funny thing is, um, a, a lot of the younger ones coming up, I, I used to compete against their fathers. So, <laughs> um, I've been in it in it for that long, but it, it's yeah, I do know them all. Um, I know, like all the national representatives have been selected at this stage, so I, I have competed against um, all of them that are that are in this year's championship. So, um, wood well, chopping is a great sport because. Um, you know, you're you're all mates until you get out to compete, and then um, it's really serious business when when you when you're actually out there chopping and soaring. But um, everyone generally gets on really well. It's a good bunch of people involved in the sport, so um, there's a good camaraderie and. I think I've been in it for that long that I get shown a lot of respect and it's pretty cool to sort of come through from being the youngest in the New Zealand team and now I'm probably going to be one of the oldest competitors in, in the World Championship this year. So it, it's pretty good to sort of come through the ranks and, and see the changes and and get the respect that um, that's given now.
0: So you have to excuse my ignorance but that's why we've got Jim to answer my ignorant questions. Um, so this World Championship's you're representing New Zealand. Are you part of a team? Um, who else is in the team?
16: Yeah, this is um, it's, this will be a two-day competition. So starting on the 28th, um, there's a world relay competition. So 30 countries involved, um, and we've got a six-man squad that we're taking over from New Zealand. Um, I'm part of that NZ team. There's Adam Lowe, Shane Jordan, Jack Jordan, Nathan McDonald, and we're taking over the late, David Bolstad's son Wow He was our rookie One of our rookie representatives So we're taking him over With the team as well So uh, It's a good contingent Going over Uh, We've got a manager Travelling with us Anthony Mildren And um, We're hoping to Take that World relay title And Back it up with The individual World championship The next day So the second day Is um, Which will be The 29th Will be the Individual World championship So that's the one I'll represent New Zealand in
0: how many disciplines on that second day will you be involved in?
16: So six disciplines, um, three wood chopping disciplines and three soaring disciplines. With the relay event, it's a it's a bracket competition. So you you compete in the morning for um for a, a like a seating mm-hmm. and then it's a knockout competition after that. So one on one competition and winner advances. So and, you could
0: be gone for a while day one.
16: Yeah, I think total you need to cut six times in order to win the whole championship. So it's pretty gruelling and, and your rest period gets shorter as it comes to semi-final finals um, time. So so quite a gruelling race. There's four disciplines in the in the team event. Uh, starts out with a stock saw, moves to the underhand chop. Um, single buck sawing is the third discipline and it finishes on a standing chop. So um, a separate team member completes each discipline. So
0: you're the world record holder in the single buck sword so do you say I'm doing that one in the relay?
16: Yep, um, <laughs> we're lucky enough to take, st- like there's a couple of strong sawyers going over this year so we might just be able to share the load this time which is which is going to be quite a, um, quite a big advantage because it'll help me back up for that next day in the individual championship as well so um, not sure what our strategy is going to be. We'll, we'll have to play it by ear. But um, as as I said, it's a knockout competition, so you can't drop any race. Otherwise, you you know you're coming home with without getting to the final. So um, I guess we'll we're going to have a training run in Germany um, before the competition, and we'll make our final selections about how the team's going to run there. So it'll be interesting.
0: Which one at the end of like a single event? Which one? Are you the most buggered? Which one takes the most out of you?
16: Oh, I'd have to say the single buck. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> a, it's a short discipline not lasting probably any longer than 15 seconds, but it's so it's grueling because you have to use your whole body and and there's no there's no generating a swing. It's all full load pulling that sword the back whole and time forth, the whole time. Yeah, so um, you really get a lot of lactic acid build up quickly with that discipline. And uh, it's it's really hard to back up after you know doing that five or six times.
0: Yeah, and you got the single stuff to go the next day. If you yeah. want to have a chat or any questions to Jason Winyard, our multi-time world champion, um, all things timber sports, 11, I would love you to give us a call or double eight double three is the timber bid post text machine number double eight double three. Any questions for? Our guest Jason, and as I say, don't be afraid to call, he's here till about 10 to 3. Love to have your interaction. We'll take a break. I've got some questions to put to Jason that's come through on the text machine after that break. Yes, welcome back in. Really delighted to be joined by Jason Winyard in studio. Happy to take your calls or your text messages. So give us a yell, 0800 150 811. The number is free now. Or if you want to text in a question, Uh from Shannon. Kia ora Jason. Do you still compete in the Karetu Wood Chopping Festival?
16: (laughs) Kia ora, Shannon. Um, We haven't had that festival for quite a number of years. And uh, hopefully, you know, in the near future, we're going to run another one. Um, So I'm talking with uh, my relations up there, and hopefully, we can get it kicked off um, after this World Championship. So um, watch the space. We'll um, put the advertising out when we get another (laughs) event going. How, you must go to like, um, I think the World Series
0: started in America, there was um, a real strong wood chopping presence in Canada, you know, the lumberjacks in America and, and Canada. I know it's strong through Europe now. You've been to some far, far away places and some strange places you never thought you'd turn up to chop some wood?
16: Yeah, I really have, it's, um, you know, something when you're starting out as a 12 year old, you don't envision yourself doing you know especially growing up in Mutupata, it was quite a small town um, strong logging community um, but yeah it's it's been great actually I've, I've been to places like Japan and Vanuatu was another mm. um, place where we did an exhibition and um, yeah been all throughout Europe and United States and Canada it's, it's been great it's been great and um, I guess when you you know you you show promise in a sport at a young age. You you kind of want to be the best at it. So, so I guess you go search. Well, I went searching globally to try and find the the toughest competitions and you know the most lucrative competitions to compete in. So that took me travelling around and and yeah, it was it's been an awesome part of my life. I um I don't enjoy the travel much now. Um, <laughs> It's kind of a necessary thing to, you know, to get from A to B and, and get to the next championship. But um, I, I still really enjoy the competition. I, I enjoy going to the different countries and um, competing against their top competitors. And, and it's only—it's really the only true way you know how good you are if you, you know, get out of your own country and get out of your comfort zone and put it all on the line in, in a different country with, sometimes different species of wood and and try and face those challenges and and it's exciting and yeah the thrill hasn't really wavered <laughs> since I first picked up the axe so it's um yeah it's been it's been I've been fortunate to have that as um as a strong passion for that many years
0: and I guess if anything was going to dent that passion it would have been this This COVID holiday, we've all been enforced in, no competing. Um, We've talked to uh, the GM of Volleyball New Zealand. They've had no tournaments for two years, and he said the athletes are just frothing for it. You, over the last two years, um, you were telling me during the ads, you last went overseas in 2018 or 19. It's a long, long time. Very different lifestyle for you the last two and a half, three years. What happened to your hunger?
16: Oh, the hunger really didn't change it. It probably it probably got worse actually. Like it, <laughs> I, I missed it. You know, I missed it terribly not being able to compete, and uh, so I, I was forced out of the sport um, because of osteoarthritis and ended up having a hip replacement in 2020. Just happened to coincide with this um, with this COVID pandemic and and our sport didn't run a world championship for a couple of years. So. Um, kind of in one way fortunate that my injury troubles kind of fell within that time but not really fortunate because it was a horrible time of my life and um i'm just glad to be back competing and, and to not be in the pain that i was in so mm. um really thankful to come through that and um, and looking forward to getting over to sweden but um yeah, a lot of sports have suffered because of the the layoff, and um, I'm sure a lot of frustrated athletes out there. You know, they weren't put off because of injury um, restrictions, like like myself. But um, isn't it great to be seeing some of these sports coming back? Mm. And and it's great for us just to be able to compete with you know some spectators now. So um, th- this World Championship is going to be a great one. I think they're going to have a good following in Gothenburg and. It's going to be really exciting to get out there and compete um, against a, you know, with um, great crowd support. So really looking forward to that.
0: Where are you at performance level, do you think? Um, you've, you've had the layoff, you've been away from competing, you've had your operation. Um, do, do you, like, time yourself? Do you measure yourself in the gym? Do you, do you test yourself aerobically? How can you stack up where you are, where Jason when you're 2022 is compared to Jason when you're 2019?
16: Really can't make that des- designation until you get out on that world stage and uh, you get under those, you know, that type of pressure and, and that type of environment. You can't really make a, a full assessment. So, And I think that's kind of why I've always travelled and, and tried to pit myself against, you know, different people in different countries. Um, gym numbers are higher than they've ever been in my life. Well, look at you go. Hey? Yeah, so, but that doesn't correlate into faster times. Yes. Always. So, But it's a good start. It is a good starting point, definitely. And um, um, my aerobic fitness is, is better than it's ever been. So those are all um, good foundational pieces of the puzzle. But it's what you do with those milliseconds that you're in competition you know how everything flows and the keeping the mistakes to a minimum and uh, you don't really you can't really make a full assessment until you get out there and compete so
0: where's the balance strength and
16: technique where's that balance sit strength is a good foundation for for disciplines like the single buck and operating the modified chainsaw it's a 30kg chainsaw so you've got to have a good strength base to be able to do that effectively Um, but for the wood chopping events it's it's a little different because there's a lot more timing and hand eye coordination involved so um, you you have to have that foundation strength um, and aerobic conditioning but then The wood chopping is is more practice with the axe and, you know, being able to put the axe in the right spot and get it out and um, get that happening as quick as possible. Um, And experience is is a lot as well, Um, Um, knowing what to do with the axe, what what axe to use for a start and how to present it to the the block on the correct angle. Um, You learn these things over time and it's just... Muscle memory, practice, and working on your weaknesses, really. So just like a lot of other sports, you try to refine yourself over time.
0: Mm. I've never cut anything other than kindling, um, but I've played a lot of golf. And sometimes you're halfway through the downswing and you just know you're on it today or you know you're not. How much conscious awareness have you got of what's going on in that blurry... 10, 15, 20 seconds, whatever it is. I'm particularly talking the axe because there's a lot of technique there. Um, do you know you're on it? Do you know I'm in the sweet spot in this moment in time?
16: It, it's really hard because you, you can get through disciplines like axe disciplines doing things wrong and, and still have you know generally good results. Mm-hmm. But when when it all happens and and your timing's on, um, it's it's like It's so easy mm. Like everything just flows And um, Everything's just happening And it's almost like It's slow motion Like you're watching it happen In, in the slow motion And Yet you Watch a playback of it And it's like How was I going that fast It didn't feel <laughs> like that You know So that I think that's what Every athlete tries to Mimic every time They get out there But there's All kinds of things To contend with Um and the first of them I find that I've got to put aside is, is my desire for a result. And I've got to park that when I, when I approach an event and, and just go through my setup, just go through all the things I've learned over this amount of time and, and try to do everything as correctly as possible. And if you, can, if you can put aside that desire to win or to pull a certain time, um, I find that's the best way I can prepare So it's just for like
0: it. my stance, my grip, how I present myself, the angle. It's just just be in that process and the result will come. Yes,
16: yes. And don't be fixated on the result or, or the time because that will all come if you do each stage correctly. It, it, it will definitely come. And that's the only way you can have world record performances is mm. if you do everything systematically correct. So easy to say uh, and quite difficult to do, but you do all your hard work at home. Right? Mm. You, you do all the critiquing of the technique and um, it's just, it, it's a process and it, it's a sometimes a slow, frustrating process, but you just always want to m- be making steps forward mm. and that's a good kind of approach to the whole thing, I believe.
0: Sounds like a life lesson to me, Jason. <laughs> that, to what you've just described there is uh, about like don't look at the goal, look at the process, and, and it will take you to the goal. We have to take a quick break for new sport and weather. If anyone wants to have a yarn with Jason Wynyard, 0800 811 Got a lot of text messages, which we will get to. But as always on the show, calls take precedence. So if you really want an answer to your question, give us a yell. As I say, 0800 or text in a question, double We'll be back with world champion Axeman Jason Wynyard after this. Right, let's rip straight into it. Course uh, 0800 150 A11. We go to Jeff down in Cromwell. Uh, g'day, Jeff. I introduce you g'day. to Jason Wynyard.
16: G'day, Jason. How you going, buddy? <laughs> oh, good, thanks, Jeff. How are you, mate? Yeah,
7: yeah, I used to enjoy cutting up my 10 or 12 metres every firewood season, but I'm sort of down to the, I'm sort of buying half, and I still enjoy cutting up the other half now, but yeah each year that goes by, I'm <clears throat> sort of buying them more, but I still enjoy, enjoy that therapeutic chainsaw and uh, spotting the wood, um, Jase, but the question I was going to ask you, we got a, a guy down here, and I don't know what's happened to him actually, um, Brandon um, Paku, right? He was a... Yeah, do you know him? Cause he Yeah, I do.
16: To... I do. He's fantastic young talent. He actually um, he had an accident and he broke his hand in a in, in a truck tailgate and he's since recovered from that, but he moved over to Sydney. And yeah,
7: I heard he moved over
16: there. Yeah, but he was a heck of a young talent. Uh, I've never seen a, a young guy chop so well. And um, I'm not sure what he's doing now. I, I hope he's going to come back to New Zealand and compete, you know, for New Zealand. But um, I, I did see him in, over at Easter time at the Sydney Easter show. He wasn't competing, but um, enjoying his life over there. So I, I, I hope he's going to come back. But, um, you know, he was a great talent, Jeff. And uh, I, I get what you're saying yeah. about um, it being therapeutic to, to cut your, your firewood for the year. I, I get that out of what I do as well. And... and I'll actually split wood for for a bit of fun as well. So um, I don't have a fireplace, yeah. I have a heat pump now, so it's pretty pretty sad, <laughs> but I, I give all the firewood away now and it's uh, I still get um, you know, benefit out of it, therapeutic benefit and, and it helps other people with their with their winter heating. So I get what you're saying there, Jeff.
7: So the body like getting back ex- Brendan there like his body type, is that the body type you need to compete? I mean, I, I you know, what sort of body type is ideal? If you want to be? Want I don't think be anyone's worked that really? out
16: yet. I mean, when you look at me, I'm, I'm, you know, classic endomorph. And uh, um, <laughs> when I first started, I, I was probably one of the, you know, bigger guys. And when I first started, I was, I was good at wood chopping when I was young, and that was something that they they said you never really got good until you were 40 to 50 years of age back at that time, so uh, I don't know. You see lighter guys do really well when they focus on their technique and they they tailor their equipment to suit their size. Um, you see brilliant axelmen of all shapes and sizes. It, it's an incredible sport, really. I don't think anyone's really put a finger on what ultimately is, is the best body type, but I know... For a fact, with timber sports, it's um, because it's three wood chopping disciplines and three soaring disciplines, you've got to have a bit of size. You've got to have a bit of size to excel on the soaring, but you've got to be agile enough to get up the, the tree and the springboard. And then you've kind of got to have enough finesse to operate the chainsaws well, so... Um, I really haven't got an answer for you, Jeff. I I think basically you you get into a sport and, you know, you're gifted with the body that you have and and you just try to get the best out of yourself, you know, and I think that's generally the case for most people in sports. They just work with what they have and, and try and work on their weaknesses and improve themselves. There he is.
0: All good, Jeff?
7: Yeah, fantastic! Yeah, I'm
0: enjoying it. Bloody really great. Cheers, mate. Good on you, Jeff. Thanks for calling up. Good, you've good talking a- with you, Jeff. Uh, if you want to put a question to Jason, when you do, feel free. Um, here's some of the ones that have come through. Hi, Jason. This is from Dave. Is your axe sharp enough to shave with?
16: Uh, yep, the axes are razor sharp. Um, we we hone them with special special honing stones, and uh, they'll They'll shave you really easily. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, are you a husky man or that other brand?
16: <laughs> <laughs> definitely a still man. I've been a still man since uh, since two thousand and six. So, I actually work for Still New Zealand, and okay. uh, I'm a technician for Still. So, definitely a still man.
0: There you are, Dave. Get in your corner. <laughs> um, how does it work getting through customs with twenty odd axes from Mike?
16: Yeah, it's pretty tricky at times. So um, most of my equipment I send through FedEx because they they look after the gear when it, when it travels, and uh, so you have all customs declarations before you send the equipment. But sometimes they they'll try and charge you taxes on the equipment. It's just a a matter of trying to explain to them that you know they're going over for a world championship and then coming back to New Zealand. So um, generally you don't have to have any any problems if you if you can explain it well um but yeah i don't travel too much with them on the plane anymore it's it's uh, airlines tend to not look after them as well as um as the shipping company so um it takes a little bit more planning but it's it's best to send them ahead mm.
0: one more break if you want to have a chat to jason uh make sure you call now 800 150 11 i got a few more texts to put to him He'll be here for about another five or six minutes after this break, so make sure you you jump in the queue. Back in a moment. Uh, we had a text come in saying, "Us Jason," which I did during the break. If he's ever played golf, I bet you that big bugger can smash a long ball. But you say no,
16: Jason. I'm pretty good at slicing a ball. I know that. <laughs> oh, I've had the odd good good go at um, driving range, mm. um, but not not very consistent. Uh, something I'd like to work on actually as I get older. So.
0: Mm. Sis uh, has said Kia ora and Jason do you think wood chopping has helped your son's basketball career at all?
16: <laughs> Hopefully some of the fundamentals have, have kind of helped him on his journey but um, he was a, a really good wood chopper um, you know coming up as a, as a young person and uh, I mean basketball's very very different but um, I hope some of the training fundamentals have, have helped him on the way and um, yeah never know when basketball's over there could be a bit of a career in wood chopping for him after that.
0: Your family's got a really proud history in wood chopping. Your dad, I think, was a full-time world champion. Um, I think his dad. You've got uncles. It's in your blood, isn't it? You you were destined for this.
16: Yeah, it's it really seems like that. And from the first time I took it up, it, it just seems so natural to me. Um, I mean, I say that, but I, I was really bad at it in my first outing. But I think that kind of shaped me as well because I just wanted to be better, and and that's all I've ever wanted to be is, is just to be the best I could be and and improve myself. So, um, but it's it's been great to have that family influence in the sport. Um, when Dad was still around, he, he was you know very instrumental in, in how I developed myself, and um, of course, like you say, uncles. Um, several of my uncles were, were really good woodchoppers so it seemed to be quite a common thing for most people to do in, in that sort of era and um, I'm, I'm really lucky I came up towards the end of that era because I saw so many top action ax- axemen and it taught me a lot. It taught me about um, being humble and it taught me respect and I think that, that really shaped me, the, the people I com- was lucky enough to compete against and, and to watch. Um, it was a fantastic thing for a young person to come up in that era.
0: So a little bit of a rhetorical question, I feel like I'll know the answer
16: here, but let's, for example,
0: say you find yourself chopping at the Ashburton A&P show or something like that, and you see a 16-year-old having his first competition and um, you know, you've know you beaten by a couple of minutes or something. Are you the sort of bloke that would go up and give him some encouragement?
16: Yeah, I try not to comment unless the person sort of want, wants to, you know, wants to learn. Otherwise, sometimes it can be taken in the wrong sort of context. So I'm I'm very careful with that. And and I think um, when I came up, I had so many people trying to tell me uh, what I should be doing, and it and it was quite confusing, you mm. know, because you, you're trying to find your own way, and if you're getting say, 20 people come up to you with different sort of ideas of what you should be doing, then you really just get lost. So I'm careful, but I'm always open to help. If anyone asks for help, I'm always open to help because, I mean, it's the next generation that are going to carry on the sport, and it's becoming a bit of a lost art, so I think it's our duty to to help as many young ones as we can.
0: That's what I was going to talk to you about. We've got a wonderful history in um, wood chopping, and I told you before we even started this hour, uh, when I was a young fella, um, I remember at the Palmerston North A&P show and I, Dad took me along to watch the wood chopping and there was a bloke there called Rugby Edwards doing the underhead chop and I just remember saying to Dad, wow, his name's Rugby, that's cool. So I was cheering for him because his name was Rugby and I'd never seen wood chopping before. It, it's always at the shows. Uh, I think the Easter show in Sydney is, is a massive one for you guys as well. Is the current participation? Let's remove COVID. Let's pretend that hasn't happened, and you know the, the health of the sport and the youngsters being interested
16: in it, waning, static, growing. Th- you'd have to say waning from when I first took up the sport. There was, like, for instance, Rotorua AMP Show. There would have been when I started. There would have been probably a hundred competitors there. And now we're kinda of down to I think there was sixteen, like twenty twenty two maximum. So it's a it's a huge drop on, on what it was in the past. Um I think I think the 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 competitors that are doing well are still world class. Um we've got some really good young ones coming out of Taranaki and um uh, but there's a big gap there. The field's not as strong across the board, so um, I don't know what direction we, you know, it's going to take in the next couple of years. But um, it seems like the downturn with AMP shows has kind of coincided with the wood chopping downturn as well. So, mm.
0: last question, uh, Jeff, that you spoke to actually, he's just asked if a referee or if referees or judges can cost you a championship with a bad call on your chopping.
16: <laughs> They can do, but um, really, it's in the competitors' hands. Like, if uh, referees can only make a call on a disqualification, so um, really, it's in the competitors' hands to avoid any contention there. If if you do everything right, like don't jump the gun, don't cut into your footholds on the underhand chop, <laughs> um, don't slab the block off. Make sure you're taking slab precautions. As long as you do everything right as a competitor then the referee can't really manipulate any of their results. Mm.
0: Are we able to watch this World Championship? So did you know if it's being broadcast in New Zealand, is there live streams happening? Because I'm pretty sure we all want to watch you go.
16: Yeah, um, it's it's going to be live streamed, um, I think, on Facebook and on YouTube. So if you, if you YouTube search um, still Timber Sports World Championship... The, the live stream should come up on YouTube and and it's going to be all over Facebook as well with the same sort of search so you should be able to find it on the 28th and 29th of October Oh mate,
0: it is so exciting um, really privileged to have you in here, Take, he, he took half a day's leave in New Zealand to come and talk to you how good is that? Like full time employment, multiple world champion and he took half a day's leave And all I offered him was a glass of water, but he took it, but he took it.
16: Oh, mate, it was a pleasure, and and it was really great to answer some of the questions that came in on the calls, and uh, um, it's a buzz for me because I'm getting to go back and compete again, and uh, I I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, and any time you want me back, just give me a shout.
0: Let's get you back after the World eh? Day. We'll, we'll have some war stories after that. So Jason, Winyard, folks, do do follow those wheels. We'll give you a reminder as we build up towards it because keep a close eye on it here as well and we will remind you how to watch on the live stream. Uh, Jason, Wynyard, uh, on behalf of all of us here, the people of the Rung, lots of texts that I couldn't get to either. We wish you all the very best, mate. Um, wonderful perseverance, wonderful longevity, wonderful representative of New Zealand um, globally. It's, it's been fantastic to meet you. Thanks,
16: mate. Likewise.
0: Oh, what a what a varied three hours we've had. I've really, really enjoyed today, and I hope you have too. Um, first hour, of course, was midday madness, talking about pretty much about Tom Christie and Sean Stevenson not making the All Black fifteen. But since then, uh, a bit of volleyball. Um, the national club champs are on in Tauranga. Great to talk to Stephen Upfold about those. Um, the indoor cricket World Cup. Talk to Ahmed Kawaja about that. New Zealand, now I missed the end of that game. I must find out if we won that game. Kez is going to have a look at that. So New Zealand are playing the Indoor Cricket World Cup. At the moment we have a men's team and a women's team and I think we've got underage teams there as well. I think um, the men's team's finished during that uh, chat we were just having so Kez will get, find the result for there. And then of course we've just had for the last hour uh, Jason Winyard what a treat that was well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed catching up with him and just the completely you know that saying gentle giant that is Jason Wynyard uh, fantastic humble man and I just had a word to him as I showed him out the door and he said he'd love to come back after the Worlds and, and just do a bit of a recap with us which I think would be wonderful um, just I think his 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 first win was 06 or 07 I think and then just won them in a row. Uh, just wonderful. Great. I love that sort of stuff. I absolutely love that stuff. Anyway, we'll take a break for new sport and weather. If you want to play the vault, $50 TB bonus bid up for grabs. Call us now if you want to play the vault. Jay Nivy in the house. Oh, the Nivster. I just said, give me some groovy music today. Look at him just deliver on a silver plate. A lot of text messages have come in saying how much they enjoyed the Jason Winyard chat. Uh, things like, great New Zealander, he's a legend, etc, etc. Um... Can you have a quick... So there were, there were a number I didn't get to. I'm very, very sorry. Uh, but uh, there were a stack of them. And uh, the good news is he said he's happy to come back, so let's get him back after the world's around right. And wouldn't imagine welcoming him back as the world champion. And he is a specimen, I don't mind telling you in New Zealand. He is... He just... He's a tank. And I shook hands with him at the end. It was like shaking hands with 80-grit sandpaper. That's what it was like, Jason Winyard. But we asked for calls for... Um the vault, the game, the vault. So let's play.
5: Ten questions, one answer. Can you crack
0: the vault? Mm. Right, I have to get my big pad out for this one. Now, this is a piece of audio um, put together this time by Niv because Sammy's away at the moment. So Niv's put together a piece of audio. And he's a, he's a life member of this show. Uh, he was the lucky caller. And it is Zaid from Auckland. G'day, Zaid. Hello. hello. You always sound like you can't quite hear me when you say hello, Zaid. but you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> Good, man. So you get seven questions. They are yes, no questions. And at the end of yeah. that seven, you can have a guess what the piece of audio is. Okay. So I think it's a sporting moment, and that's all I know. That's all yeah, I know all right. right so your first okay. question is Hold on What? The vault's wide open
1: Oh mate. the vault Oh shut we've the got vault to lock it The vault is wide open Okay close, it, Just close, gonna it. Walk close it Close
17: it Jump the gun Alright we've got it in there <laughs> right, We've got it in there It's well shut now okay. Now we're safe to play Now we're safe
0: Um. Now I can't there answer these questions mate. It's going to be Niv who's, Who you're talking to So where you go with question one Is it
5: UFC? No Jeepers oh,
0: No um,
5: is it is it a ball sport?
0: No. Oh. No.
5: Okay. Is it a motorsport?
0: No. No. Take your time. Take your time. So just have a think about this. It's not UFC. Unbelievable first question. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's not a ball sport and it's not motorsport. So I'm just I'm just going through this thought process with you, Zaid. So it's a sport without balls but, and not in a car. Is it rugby? That's a ball sport. Oh. But that's your fourth question. Rugby? Oh, my God. No. So have a think about... Just ask for, yeah. like, roughly when or sort of where.
5: Okay. Um, does it have a racket involved?
17: No. Would that not also be a oh. ball sport
0: or thereabouts? Oh, uh. Racket sport, no. <laughs> now, the other thing you can that you can do is I can ask one question for you. If you yeah, want. ask one question? I'm a phone a friend. So you've had one, two, three, four, five. So your sixth question, courtesy of me, is did this sporting moment happen in the Northern Hemisphere? Oh, that's
17: a very, very good question. I'm going to have to take the uh, consult Auntie Google here.
0: Oh, it's on the equator. It's close to the... See what happens, Zade? See what happens... <laughs> is it in the northern hemisphere and he's googling
17: and he's going to tell me oh it's very close it's half half half's in the north half's in the (laughs) south
0: (laughs) it must be a game of leapfrog on the equator how can it be half and half
17: uh because the north of it is north of the equator it's a big country
0: but don't, this sporting moment must have happened at a particular point in this country
17: yeah let me just look Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh. Auntie Google's got to come into it again thanks for sticking with us Aide. this is very unprofessional by Niv come back, uh, yeah
17: mate I really need to sort my um, sort my geography out here um,
0: I think it's Southern Hemisphere Southern Hemisphere so is it Northern Hemisphere? no so there we go Zade you've got one more question and then a guess
5: I don't think I want really to have much of a clue. Is it climbing?
0: Climbing? Yeah. That's a good question, though, because it's not ball and it's not no. motor. <laughs> and so it's not climbing. So you're allowed one wild guess, or you can just say no guess from Zay today.
5: I don't know, because I've got no clue. It's got no equipment involved. So there's no balls, no climbing, no motorsport.
0: Just, I don't know the answer, but thinking about it, it could be, it could be athletics, it could be ice skating, it could be uh, all of those okay, things.
5: Okay, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, it, is it Valerie Adams? I don't know, winning gold medal shot pot or something. I don't know.
0: No, no. Uh, so okay. that's your guess. Should we have a look? All
5: right.
0: <laughs> no, we can't because we already know it's not. <laughs> I know you've got, I know you've got sound effects, kids, but we just can't deal with it. Zaid while you didn't get it you've eliminated a whole lot of things so it jackpots to a hundred dollars tomorrow thanks for having a crack though bud and it has gone <laughs> <laughs> so the vault whew, he rattled through those is it UFC interesting first question <laughs> yeah so I'm all about I'm all about when I play the if I was to play the vault I'm all about where is it and when is it hmm so that would be a good shout.
17: Like nobody knows what year it was in really after those sets of questions or what decade
0: at least. Yeah, I always go hemisphere and then find an era like pre or post 2005 or whatever you want. Was it at Olympics or World Champs or oh, that, something like that. That
17: hemisphere question really had, had me racking my brains trying to figure out where this place is in yeah, relation
0: well, to the equator. So this this is the thing now, New Zealand. What you do, you get onto Google Maps and you find a country that straddles the equator, and there's your starting point. It's a
17: it's a glorious sporting moment,
0: <laughs> yeah. one of the best, one of the best sporting moments. So that is the vault. We'll play it again tomorrow. Um, do we go a bit earlier tomorrow? No, it's about two forty tomorrow. Uh, we're a bit late today because we had Jason uh, Jason Winyard in the studio. Um, so it's a hundred dollar TAB bonus bet up for grabs. Not UFC, not a ball sport, not motorsport, not rugby, not a racket sport, not climbing and not in the Northern Hemisphere. So a whole lot of no's. Is it 10 pin? That's a ball sport. Oh, no, it is too. And you're not allowed to play.
1: Kews? I am now. <laughs> I, I can turn your mic off and play myself. <laughs> I want a TAV feed. We all do. So we will play that uh, tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow, The Vault. $100 TAB bonus bep will be up for grabs. Um, I'm just trying to remember the date that Jason told me. Was it the 20, 28th and 9th of October? I think he said that was. And there is a YouTube channel up for uh, that's going to be streaming um, the still World Championships, six-man team going over, 28th, 29th. And Kez, you were keeping an eye on the cricket as well. What happened at the World Indoor Cricket
1: Match for New Zealand? I'll tell you what, I've spent a lot of time trying to get my head around the rules, so I'm pretty sure if I, uh, and you know me with numbers, Steph, the numbers read New Zealand 80, South Africa under-22s 75. So I, th- I think the whatever we've decided to call them, the New Zealand indoor cricket team won 80-75, I did. believe, I believe. Actually, a few
0: people sent through a few guesses for their team name, and at the moment, New Zealand... New Zealand under-22s are playing the Australia senior women's team. Uh, Australia on 31 at the moment. We had a few guesses, uh, a few suggestions for the name of the team. Um, I think there was uh, the indoor caps. <laughs> this one. Um, the Black Bats. Oh, don't mind that mark from Christchurch. The Black Bats. Because we've got black socks, white socks. Black caps, Black Bats. What is the baseball team called? They're the Diamond Blacks? You might be onto something there, Mark, with a name for the indoor indoor cricket, New Zealand indoor cricket team. There's so much streaming going on, just thinking about that. That cricket indoor World Cup is streaming. Uh, the Club National Volleyball, which we were talking about earlier in the show, that's going to be streaming. The World Timber
1: Sports Championships out of Gothenburg, that's going to be streaming. Streaming's the future. It genuinely is. I was just going to say that is what the future of sports going to be. Shout yeah. out to YouTube as well; they've really upped their game with that. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I
0: remember I heard ages ago. Ages ago, have I got time to tell this? I have just ages ago. Um, oh, I might be commercially sensitive. Actually, it might be commercially sensitive. Let me have a think about. It. There was a sporting tournament in New Zealand. Here we go. I can I can tell it without giving too much away. A sporting tournament in New Zealand in a sport that New Zealand was playing a team in. Was it a ball sport? <laughs> and it was in the Southern Hemisphere because it was in New Zealand and it wasn't UFC. And the number one team in the world was playing in this tournament with a number of other teams. And they organised a camera crew to broadcast it into their server back in the country that they were from, And they brought they streamed it live on YouTube and said five dollars a game. Five dollars sorry, it was yeah, it was five dollars a day, sorry. Five dollars a day and you got all of the games and I think it was it was a few days, I don't know, three, four, five days. So it was five dollars a day, watch the whole lot. Two hundred and fifty thousand people bought it and they didn't have to spend a cent except for the production company that would have charged them two, three grand a day, and they sold 250,000 subscriptions just in that country. How good. There's smart commercial savviness for you, so that's 1.2 mil. 1.2 mil. Actually, that's per day. That was per day. I don't even want to do the mess. Makes me very jealous. Don't of ask me I didn't to think it. <laughs> no, I'm not asking kids to do the mess. So there you go. Um, a really cool thing that we do on Afternoons with Steffi, and it is a big thanks to Property Brokers, um, who help sponsor or help us recognise the NPC Masterclass Performance of the Week. And of course, Property Brokers are New Zealand's family-owned provincial real estate company. I haven't told you who it is this week, but I know two listeners that will be quite happy with who I've selected to be the Masterclass recipient of the Property Brokers Award. And that player will join us after the break. Well, it's uh, time to hand out the Property Brokers MPC Masterclass Performance of the Week. And, of course, it was the quarterfinal, so it was the cream of the crop. And an Aussie's won it. An Aussie's won it this week. Uh, The selection panel made up of myself has awarded uh, this week to the Auckland number 8 Jackson Pugh. And he joins us on the phone now. G'day, Jackson. How are you? Oh, I'm all right, mate. And Aussie winning a, winning a title like that in New Zealand, uh, the home of rugby. Um, you must be pretty yeah. pleased with how you're travelling this season. Yeah, it's not very uh,
18: obvious there. Australia coming on top in um, New Zealand, <laughs> is it? But, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, cheers
0: for that. Just tell us about where, where you've come from. Obviously, uh, you're part of the Western Force. Um, just, just your journey through your, your rugby path for a, for a big number eight uh, growing up there in Perth. Um, tell us about rugby through school and club and that sort of thing.
18: Yeah, so um, obviously over in Perth, um, AFL and cricket probably the biggest sports over there. So rugby isn't that big. Um, so we got uh, the club system, um, which came through juniors over there, and then. Yeah, I came through the Force Academy, um, and then lucky enough to pick up a contract with the Betson Force last year. Um, made my debut for Super and got thrown in at number eight. Um, uh, so I played luck my whole life. Got thrown in at number eight, um, which is pretty daunting. Um, yeah, I enjoyed, enjoyed it. And then, yeah, got lucky enough to, um, pick up an NPC opportunity with, um, Auckland.
0: What's the step up like from from club and academy in Perth into Super? Um, I'd imagine that's a huge step.
18: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty pretty huge. But when you have got blokes like um, you know, Jeremy Thrush, Richard Kahui, um, who's been around the game for years, under um, your wing and sort of teach us young boys how to, you know, transition, um, makes it very much. So it makes it way easier.
0: Andrew Forrest is a big name in rugby over on your side of the world. Um, he's he is a huge part of rugby in West Australia. Um, tell us about the influence he's had on rugby over in WA.
18: Yeah, yeah, he's he's huge he, um, Well, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but the in 2017, I think the force got um, cut from Super Rugby. Yeah. Um, and then he. Him and his, I think the story is him, him. and his wife are watching TV, and his wife said to him, "Um, have oh, we got to do something." So yeah, so they, um, I think they offered the ALU, uh, a bit of cash, but the, they didn't want it. So then he made, we made a like a different tournament on the side called um, Global Rapid Rugby, which got shut down because of COVID. Um, but yeah, he, he pretty much saved the Western Force. For him, but I think there would be a Western Force anymore.
0: And what brought about the the Auckland gig that we we find you in at the moment? Were the Western Force did they did they help in that transaction? Were you approached directly by Auckland? How did it come about?
18: Uh, so I was over MPG with I was a at the time, um, and it sort of came up over there, um, and the Force were kind enough to release me, let me go, and um, have a bit of experience. Um, playing over here. Um, yeah, I think it was a bit of bit of both.
0: No, so what's been good for you in your development as a rugby player? Because in Auckland you're surrounded, um, I guess you would have rubbed shoulders with the like of, you know, Hoskins, Blake Gibson, Akira Ioane, guys that have been around the, the traps a little while. How have you seen your game develop being in a New Zealand system?
18: Yeah, yeah well, like you said, like rubbing, rubbing shoulders with um, those blokes who've done it all. Like, um, there's no lie that Australia, New Zealand's um, one of the best countries, if not the best country, um, at the rugby level. Um, so learning learning off, you know, like, the, like the Vakiri Iwana who played last week, um, just picking his brain and um, seeing what he does around the field and how he gets prepared, definitely um, helps me um, mentally, like staying engaged. Um, and just, like, like during training, like, um, you know, asking little questions uh, about, like, how to play eight, you know, uh, how does he, you know, control the ball at the back of the scrum? Um, just little tips and um, tricks. Um, definitely, like... Um, helped me big
0: time in that aspect right. For me, from the outside, having someone like you coming out of the Australian system, coming and playing in the NPC, we've seen it from time to time, we've seen Aussies come over and play in the NPC, and I just really think the the relationship between Australian New Runc- and New Zealand rugby has to stay strong um, there's talks that Australia might look at pulling out of of Super Rugby. I think that would be more detrimental to Australia. It's have a detriment for New Zealand rugby as well. But the relationship between New Zealand and Australia rugby, how important do you see that? Um, a for New Zealand and B and B for Australia rugby as well.
18: Yeah, not huge. Like, um, yeah, well, this is a perfect example, isn't it? For like um, players like myself, who over in Australia we don't have a. Equivalent on um So I think From If you look at it Like Australia's got The Wallabies Then it, there's no uh, if The Wallabies Super rugby Then there's no In between Sort of thing mm. um, So I think Like um, for, for Australia's sake Like um, I think it's huge Like I don't know why They want to Pull out Super rugby You know Like That relationship But they're only going well, to both, both countries Are only going to um, the word. Um, uh, we're only going to benefit um, if we keep that relationship close you know
0: what, I mean? mm. what about like an idea in the future I've sort of toyed with is I'd quite like to see maybe a New South Wales and a Queensland team made up of Australian players not necessarily like state of origin type thing but you know we, we've got the Warriors we've got the Breakers, we've got the Phoenix involved in Australian competitions. I'd really, I'd entertain the discussion to have a couple of um, teams playing in our MPC. I, I think that would benefit both us uh, in New Zealand and particularly the Australian players. Maybe, you know, people like you can represent an Australian club rather than having to re- represent an Auckland club.
18: Yeah, I like that idea, Hey, eh? like, Yeah, that, that, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Um that'll definitely bring a lot of um I think the crowds might go up a bit as well, might mm. like a bit more attraction. and mm. um, so I feel like at the moment rugby union's sort of dying, you know, with like with a crowd and stuff. So like um, bringing you know, the aspect like new teams and stuff into like a great comp like NPC um, definitely bring like or benefit.
0: Yeah, and I'd also like to see, even in super rugby, like, I mean, you've seen it with Jeremy Thrush and Richard Kahui, uh, by playing for the Western Force, they're not available for the All Blacks. But I'd love to see some New Zealanders into the Aussie super teams, some Aussies come over and play in New Zealand super teams. We've had the odd Argentinian in South Africa. Um, I think that's the future.
18: Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's only going to be a bit like young guys like myself um, having like great experience around especially for the greatest team rugby nation in the world.
0: Now, you got through the quarter final, the Battle of the Bridge, your first ever Battle of the Bridge. Tell us about the build-up to that because it's a a wonderful rivalry and it really delivered with a wonderful game as well. Tell us about your build-up to the week and then the game.
18: Yeah, I came over, I think, uh, two to three weeks before the Battle of the Bridge. Um, And that's all the boys were talking about. so, yeah, it was a huge, it means a lot, meant a lot to the union. Um, and, yeah, that build-up that week, I think we had the breakfast uh, where two, the two teams came together and there's a bit of banter thrown around, which is um always good leading up to the game. And then, yeah, that, that game was just, yeah, fast. <laughs> fast and it's pretty entertaining. Um, and I was yeah, pretty grateful to be a part of it.
0: And I, you'll be grateful to be part of a semi-final. Now we're down to the top four teams, and you're taking on a Wellington side that just have weapons right across the park. Um, this yeah. must be a game that you're really looking forward to. Uh, hosted in Wellington,
18: yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm never been to Wellington. Um, I've always wanted to go to that stadium. It's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, be able to play a semi-final. <clears throat> um, yeah, against a great team like Wellington, like you said. Um, yeah, it's going to be awesome. The Boys building nicely um, at the moment, so yeah, it should be cracker.
0: We're talking to Jackson Pugh. Um, he is our masterclass performer of the week from last week. Jackson, finally, what, what's your what's your contract status at the moment? Is there, is there a chance you'd return to Auckland? Um, would that have to be a negotiation with the Force? How long are you signed for the Force? What What do the next two or three years look like for you?
18: Uh, yeah, fine time for another two years with the force. Um, and, yeah, the opportunity came up with Auckland again, I'll say with two hands, I've really, really enjoyed it over here. Um, but, yeah, we'd have to see, like, play by ear.
0: Awesome, Jackson. Well, um, you've really taken to the game over in New Zealand conditions well. You're fitting in superbly, given that you haven't been here for that long and you've turned into a crucial part of this this Auckland Ford pack who are just getting better and better each week and we have a lot of Auckland supporters as listeners, mate, and they're always texting in the show about you that you're a bit of a standout. So well done on winning the award from last week and uh, just go a step up against Wellington and we wish you all the very best in the semi final.
18: Awesome, thanks, I appreciate that.
0: back in, Uh, just uh, following up on what Johnny Mac said there, the cricket Um, Baba Razam is not out on 20 Uh, Shadab Khan is the new batsman, he's just uh, faced one ball, two balls now, he's on one fifty five for two, so they're going at uh, 8, 7, 7 and over not a bad wee start Uh, the wicket takers for New Zealand, Mitch Santner has one for 18 off his two, and Michael Bracewell, great start from him, one for six off the two and other bowlers used sodi is into his second over And bless, Tickner's bowled a couple And Tim Southey's bowled one as well We'll keep you up to date on that But let's go and find out Let's find out what's making news around the world
13: Ladies and gentlemen I've just been handed an urgent And horrifying news story And I need all of you To stop what you're doing and listen
5: What's making news Around the world
0: Rip into it, Captain K.
1: Yeah, I'm back. Steph, you've uh, been thrown off guard here. I've just had an absolute blast today with Jason in the studio. It's, got oh, a, it's good, wasn't it's it? I've blushing a little bit. What's making news? Let's go around. Steph, I don't know if you saw this one. Who ate all the pies? Whew. Right, so obviously the Women's World Cup, Rugby World Cup, head up to Whangarei. Mate, what do you do when an international team or an international friend, anyone that lives overseas, come to New Zealand? You say you've got to have... Pie. A meat pie. You do always oh, the classic. Well, uh, the, the USA team—they've taken a liking to uh, to the pies. They spent a thousand dollars, so they should uh, on pies, which were honestly a fight—a thousand dollars to so go that's burn on
0: like, pies. It's like
1: two hundred pies. Ninety. 90 Quite fair, <laughs> They're quite fair. They quite they demolished Well they could have bought more But it said uh, The USA squad Sat down and demolished 90 pies for tea On Wednesday night That's, fed, that's uh, $11 a pie Fed 46 So I'm guessing They would have got more Probably
0: um, Probably family size pies
1: Yeah I'm mm. sure oh, that Well yes. uh, if you wanted to go Try a pie It's uh, up in Whangarei I'm just trying to find The name for you Here Steffi Salt Air Cafe Salt Air Cafe In Whangarei Okay nice Uh Mince, mints and cheese, mince, bacon and mushroom, steak, steak and cheese, pepper steak, steak and mushroom, again. <laughs> and seafood and butter chicken pies. Uh, Any of those take lot. your liking, would you spend a thousand dollars on one of those in particular? Look, just get one of each, mate. Yeah, get one of each, and that's the way to do it. Speaking of food, Safi, do you uh do you ever go through the drive thrus You know, late night doing nitty commentary. Mean you might like, like, we might slip through a little drive thru. Not very often. No. I'll be honest. Not have very you, often. Have you ever been through a drive-thru on a camel? No, look, not as yet. It's right. on my bucket list. Well, like, have you ever been to In-N-Out in, uh, in America? It's like one of the biggest One of my big regrets
0: chains. is I've been to America three times, never been to In-N-Out Burger. You never. You didn't
1: do it. Mm. No, you didn't do it. So uh, in Las Vegas, this In-N-Out restaurant was, where uh, Brandon Nobles, he took his 14-year-old camel <laughs> through a drive-thru. Safi, I used to go through a drive-thru on my scooter, and they used to tell me to... <laughs> tell me to get out. Uh, so it's no good. But uh, yeah, apparently the, the camel loves French fries. So he started taking the camel on little tours mm. around these uh, fast fast food restaurants in Vegas. You can find it on Instagram, the video. And apparently everyone's been loving it. I would. I definitely would. Wouldn't that brighten up your day? If you work and drive through, you know, it's, it's in Vegas. It's hot. It's hot. And then all of a sudden a camel... Rocks up. It's a bit different to a Camaro, isn't it? Yeah, well, imagine being camel. in
0: your car, waiting for the camel to put their order <laughs>
1: in so you can progress through the queue. It takes a while, because camels can't speak, but they eventually get there in the end, so that's a goodie. Staying on animals. Uh, oh, nervous staff, you might be able to help me here. In Spain, the bull run. Pamplona, is it? The running of the bulls the in running Pamplona. Of the bulls. Yep. Uh, they've had an accidental one in Carolina. Right. right. So an escaped rodeo bull. Uh, which is very dangerous and extreme. Uh, It's in North Carolina. It's running the streets, 700 pounds. I'm hoping that the camel doesn't have any fast food chains in North Carolina. But uh, now they've got cowboys, Staffy, coming from all over the country, getting paid to try and track down this bull. I just thought that was something very interesting. That I is interesting. That the running of the bulls, it's something I've taken an interest in. Staff, would you like a fact? Oh, you know I love okay, a fact. Okay, you can have two, for okay. asking very nicely. Bit light-hearted today. Staff, you ever watched The Walking Dead? I actually have. I haven't. That's sad that you have. No, I'm joking. Mm. I've heard it's a very good show. Uh, the US government has an official plan for a zombie apocalypse. Really? Yeah, it is a true story. They've uh, come out on multiple occasions saying this plan was not actually designed as a joke. <laughs> so it's literal. Yeah, Niv's just gave me the can confirm. Uh, yeah, it's called ConPlan 88811. If you want to have a look at that, go further into it. Staff, second one. We know, uh, we like to have a guess at what people drive. Prince Charles has an Aston Martin that's run on wine you're joking I'm serious he, he is known for his uh, devotion to environmental causes Queen Elizabeth gave him a car for his 21st it was Aston Martin he said it was a problem he started with cooking oil got too much so he moved to wine and now as Aston Martin runs off wine why don't more people do that
0: King Charles the third. King it. Charles the third.
1: that's uh, that, those are my news stories for the day
0: fantastic we'll take a break we'll come back and head across the ditch we're going to head across the ditch
1: Hey, I've got you loud and clear. I just caught the
19: end of your ad break there.
0: Did you? Was it nice?
19: Oh, I just heard a jingle just fade out. 29.99 seconds. Listen, you're going to love this talk topic today. Stephen. Good afternoon to you and and to everybody. Um, We had a, a, a texter on the line yesterday, Kev from Camden, and he spoke about once breaking into the New Zealand cricket dressing room and lifting the Newbury shoulderless Excalibur cricket bat wielded by Lance Cairns. Oh. Big hitter. His son, a big hitter as well. And he said it was a wonderful moment before security finally came in, chucked him out. But he said he'd do it all again man, and provided us with a great story. It happens to be, Staffy Lance Cairns' birthday today. I had no idea. So off the back of that, I've been asking people to nominate their favourite pieces of... Retro sporting equipment. Cricket bats are getting a really good run, the old grainicles scoop. A few people have talked about the Newbury and, more recently, the, the Kookaburra bubble. But I know you're a massive cricket fan. Did you have a, a favourite batter, a favourite piece of sporting memorabilia back in the day that, that you couldn't bear to part company with?
0: Look, going just on those Excaliburs, I was a mm. kid when Lance was in his pomp, and uh, we all got Dad and Grandad and Uncle Skill saw out and cut the corners off our bats. Did you? So... Yeah, off again. Okay. <laughs> Just completely threw it. <laughs> wow. uh, one which would be a bit of a collector's item was the Adidas rugby ball, and it was the laceless rugby ball, and they were like balloons. They were really big, and I got one for Christmas or something when I was about 13 or 14, and they were the ball that the All Blacks used, but they only lasted a season because they actually went too far when you kicked them. It was, ah, it was a bit like yes. an illegal ball. Um, but yes. that, if anyone's got one of those out there, that is a collector's item because they weren't out for long.
19: I I seem to recall there was a debate during the Tri-Nations back in the day that New Zealand would use the Adidas. I think Australians had the Summit and South Africa might have used the Gilbert Ball. Mm. And, you know, they'd all sort of – they had slightly different characteristics. And you mentioned there, I think it was the Adidas that would fly too far. Um, Just as well they didn't use that when you're playing on the high felt, of course. (laughs) Because, you know, inside your own 20 and it goes sailing over the dead ball line. Yeah. uh, yeah, The Adidas, the Gilbert and the Summit. But That's wonderful. you'd you'd, you'd shave off the shoulders of your bat. Did you ever do this, Staffy, with a bat? You'd... You just sort of sand the edges so it looked like you middled everyone. You just sanded off the cherries off the side?
0: Absolutely. And yeah. I also got I also got the um, the liquid scourer onto my golf clubs to take off the dimple imprints off the toe and the heel of the club so it just looked like <laughs> I always middled, <laughs> middled my iron yeah.
19: shots. And they were much harder to hit back in the day too, the golf clubs. Oh, it they were all blades. There were no cavity
0: are. backs back in the day.
19: No, correct, correct. I just gave up a pair of tailor-made blades. When you got them out of the middle, Beautiful, but goodness mm. me, you could feel them sort of reverberating up the arm when you hit. Mm. But the other thing too, and, and I love I love this sort of conversation, kids back in the day, they, they don't know the joy of having to, to break in a cricket bat, to boil no. it and then to, to knock it in with a ball, either you bash it or you just gently in the nets just hit it.
0: Yeah, bang on. They you don't. had to do that, and you had to. Um, you used to have to dubbin your rugby balls over here the as dubbin, well. Dubbin, yeah, yeah. We use
19: that on the saddles. Yeah, the day, that's you? it. The, the horse saddles. Yeah, the dubbin. That's it. Dubbin you, the rugby ball. You
0: know your talk topic. You know, we had we were really lucky today. We had in studio for an hour a fourteen-time world champion in timber sports. His name's Jason Winyard. He's forty-eight, forty-nine, and he's heading over to Gothenburg in a week to go and have another crack at it. Um, can can you can you just even fathom being a world champion fourteen times?
19: T- did you say timber sport? So what does that involve, like wood chopping? And
0: wood chopping. Like so so there's uh, there's six disciplines now. There's the springboard where they chop the little the little angle oh, into then the tree. They wedge the plank in and then wedge go, the yeah, plank yeah. and go up. So that's one of them. There's the standing block. There's the underhand block. There's the single saw, and then there's the standard production chainsaw, and then they have a thing called the hot saw, and they. They use pretty much jet engines on these things. They're like super turbocharged, and you get points allocated across all six, and the person with the most points, it's sort of like a, I was going to say a decathlon, heptathlon, what is it if it's six? It's a sextathlon. Yes. Yes, yes. it's so a that, sextathlon. You can
19: say that in context, absolutely. Yes, and um, he, he,
0: he's won it about 14 times. And so he, I
19: reckon Jason Winyard would have been pretty quick at shaving the shoulders off a Newberry Excalibur, or to, to, oh, off a cricket bat to make it resemble a Newbury Excalibur. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because as soon as you mentioned uh, timber sports my mind sprung to our most famous woodchopper a man by the name of David Foster. Yes. Big unit, uh, mustache, sort of looks like a slightly overweight David Boone if there is such a thing. <laughs> Australian wood world champion woodchopper Tasmanian community figure. He has held the world woodchopping championship title for 21 consecutive years. Australia's most successful athlete and possibly the only athlete in any sport in the world to win over 1000 Titles. Jesus. So imagine a get together between Jason Winyard and David Foster. I reckon they'd put a few wages quietly.
0: Yeah. He, interestingly, he said um, when he competes in because he competes all around the world, and he said in Australia you use eucalyptus uh, wood and it's the hardest wood. To chop, and so you have to have very thin bevels on your axe and razor sharp, whereas where he's going, it's slightly softer wood, so you have to acclimatise. It was was really interesting to get into the technical side of um, wood chopping.
19: Yeah. Did you ask him if he shaves with his blade?
0: We had a text question came in from Dave. <laughs> and and great, Dave great said, minds think alike, Dave. Can you shave with your axe? And he said, Yes, I can. They are wow. razor sharp. Yeah. Oh, it's
19: like, you know, you get that strand of hair and you drop it on the axe blade, it just sort of <laughs> casually cuts in half. Uh, mate, Australia, New Zealand, you mentioned it when we spoke last week, a sellout at Eden Parker. I tell you what, I mean, for twenty two games of trying the Wallaroos have never defeated the Black Ferns and we thought is this the moment It look good at half time and then well class rose at to the top in the end.
0: Yeah 17-0 um, the Wallaroos uh, they they started with a hiss and a roar a little bit of stage fright I think from the Black Ferns I've never played in front of a, a home crowd like that in fact no team has it's the biggest ever crowd in the history of women's rugby and it was a fantastic Carnival atmosphere, but they they found their mojo in the second half, as you say, Julian, and um, and kicked away. But um, it's really got some momentum over here. The Women's World Cup, uh, very much looking forward to as it, as it continues on. And and I mentioned to Maddie White yesterday, like we're just the prospect of New Zealand England World Cup final at Eden Park, yeah. oh, be a massive.
19: So they look good, England. They thumped Fiji 84 points to 19. Are they that good, England, are they? England
0: are the benchmark. They they truly are. And even the all-black coach, uh, the the Black Ferns coach, Wayne Smith, um, said so. They are they are the scene setters. We've got time to improve, but we're going to have to do it rapidly.
19: Wow. I'll leave the final word to Port Macquarie Pearl on the text line, Staff. He said, I do world record times in the sextathlon. <laughs> funny, funny thing about that pearl. I suggest uh, there's a lot of competition. A lot of competition.
0: <laughs> yes, there is. There is. All right,
19: mate. Always good to chat. We'll catch you next week.
0: Cheers, buddy. There's there is Julian King out of Australia. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll take a break. What fun we've had today! What fun we've had today! We'll be back, and we'll find out what happened on this day, being the eleventh October. But not today. Today, back in the day. After this. Oh, what a fun show we've had today. Uh, we've hit volleyball, indoor cricket and timber sports. If you missed the chat with Jason Winyard, I highly recommend you go back and have a listen to it on the podcast, wherever you listen to those. Fantastic to have him in the studio and we wish him well at the World Championships. Now, back on the day. Today, the 11th of October, way back in 1890, John Owens Jr. became the first man to break the 10-second barrier in the 100 yards. 9.8 seconds he ran in Washington, D.C. And in 2009, Tiger Woods dominated the President's Cup. Uh, He beat Y.E. Yang to seal the victory for the United States, and he went 5-0 for the week. Uh, joining Marco Mera and Shigeki Maruyama is the only place to win all five in a President's Cup. 2010, Brett Favre became the first to 500 touchdown passes and 70,000 passing yards on this day in 2010. Birthdays today: Sir Bobby Charlton, born in 1937. Born in 1939, a Brazilian tennis player by the name of Maria Bueno. In 1961, born on this day, NFL quarterback Steve Young, who still holds the record for the most passing touchdowns in a Super Bowl with six. From
11: the 44, they take it to Floyd Young.
0: And then uh, the amazing women golfer Michelle Wee was born on this day in 1989, flirted with a couple of uh, tournaments in the men's tour back in the day, too. Wonderful golfer. Top of the box office in 2006 was The Departed, a Martin Scorsese classic, and oh, here we go, 2006, number one song. You ready? You're ready? Uh, yeah.
4: I'm bringing sexy back. Yeah. yeah. Your yeah. if that's your girl,
9: watch back. Yeah.
0: Thank you for so all of going your going going interactions today. Absolutely loved it this Tuesday. Thanks heaps to Niv Huge effort. Big shift from Captain K as well. We'll be back tomorrow.